Hello and welcome to the Shea Hits Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate post-Christmas depression. My name is Kyle, and today I hate nothing because it's the holidays and you should be happy or else. <laughs> I guess that's probably a better attitude than I have. We're actually uh, we're recording this on the 26th, the day after Christmas, yeah. which should be uh, hopefully the day that you are listening to it as well. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just have that. I mean, I'm off work today, which is awesome. Unfortunately, my wife is not. She had to go in today. But uh, yeah, it's just that like, I don't know. Christmas vibes are over, but I guess they're not totally over. No. Well, okay, so for me, my last work day was the previous Tuesday, which mm-hmm. was the some day of the week, um, some number. Well, it was Tuesday. It, yeah, the it, day it of the was week. the day of the week was Tuesday, as I said. <laughs> it was some number. Let's see. If right. today's the 26th, that means the 18th, 17th, something like that. Anyway, sure. so I've been off for a week. And then I don't go back until the second of January, so next mm-hmm. Tuesday. So I have another another week off. Yeah, it's man, pretty good. Working it's in the school, school life, is a good gig. Yeah, and uh, come June, you're gonna have like three months off. So yeah, <laughs> that should be nice too. <laughs> oh yeah, plenty of time yeah, to I do stuff around the house. It's uh, like I mean, I'm excited to have this day off as well. I got. A lot of video games to play, as we will get to in several minutes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just, like, there's something about Christmas. Like, you know, I live in Georgia. We didn't get snow or anything. And, unfortunately, I, like, I wasn't able to see you or mom or dad or anything on Christmas. But there's something about waking up and knowing that it's Christmas that feels extra special. Um, so I'm just a little sad that that's over. And I'm yeah. especially sad for my wife because she has to work today, which Ugh. really sucks. But... Big news, she, uh, and I, I may have mentioned this already, actually, but she uh, accepted a new job, which she starts tomorrow. Oh, wow. A Wednesday. Oh, that's awesome. So today's her last day of her uh, her current job, so she's very excited and nervous, but mostly excited, so I'm very excited for her. But um, talking about Christmas, what all did you do since we weren't able to see each other? Yeah, so last Friday... Um the soon-to-be in-laws and my fiance and I went to the Cincinnati Zoo to like walk around and look at all the lights and stuff. Um, nice. So we did that, and it was freezing cold. Um, and then we had a crisp. What was that last Friday? I don't. I don't know. These days are all the same. <laughs> um, and then we had a Christmas party last Saturday uh, at one of my friends' places. Um, and then yesterday on Christmas, we did a Christmas breakfast with my in-laws and fiance at their place nice. and did presents with them. Um, and then she and I came home and played a ton of video games. <laughs> like, a lot. <laughs> sounds okay. Yeah. yeah. We uh, we were similar. Um, like I said, we went over to my in-laws Christmas Eve day and watched football most of the day. It was um, our fantasy football championship week. And... Uh, in the championship was myself versus my brother-in-law. Oh boy! And going into this week, I lost several of my best players to injury, including my best player, who is the number one scoring player in fantasy football. I lost him for the championship. That's some bad. So, luck. Uh, and I also lost his backup. So I didn't like at wide receiver. I didn't even have enough guys to start. So I had to go and pick up somebody random. Uh, off like the available list and start him and uh going into 
yesterday's afternoon game. So brief version of this, but I'll give details for the people that know football. So going into the Steelers-Texans game, I was up by 19 points, and he had one guy left who is Le'Veon Bell, the best running back in the NFL. And so 19 points is a lot of points, but not for Le'Veon Bell. So I was not confident whatsoever. Le'Veon Bell, because the Steelers got up really big in that game, they pulled most of their starters for part of the second half. So Le'Veon Bell got 19 points. So we tied in the championship, and I had the tiebreaker as the best record and the most total points scored across the season. Okay. So you're talking to our fantasy football league champion <laughs> two out of three years. I won it our first year. Unfortunately, I ended up in fourth last year, but won it again this year. So I'm nice. I'm riding. I was riding high this morning. I woke <laughs> up and made sure that there weren't any like big changes to the scoring or anything that happened that would screw me. But yeah, so it was, a, it was a nice day after Christmas present that yeah. i got this morning um but yeah so we we just watched a bunch of football and um went back over there yesterday watched some christmas movies kelly and i just have a tradition where we watch a different christmas movie every christmas morning that's like our little shared tradition that we have so uh christmas eve we watched elf just for fun mm-hmm. which we were going to watch at um when we were in town with you guys right. we were going to watch elf and it just never happened so we went ahead and watched it here and Christmas morning, Kelly wanted to watch Jim Carrey's Grinch movie, so we watched that, and then of course watched some like Christmas Story and watched Charlie Brown Christmas. So a lot of Christmas movies and a lot of playing Mario Kart on the Switch. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So I guess that's kind of Christmas, and I don't. Know, it's 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 a good holiday. It, it sucks is. not to be able to be around all of family, obviously, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, it's still a nice holiday. Did you get any awesome presents? We already talked last episode because we did our Christmas uh, a couple weeks ago on Thanksgiving. But did you get anything else uh, notable? Um, not so far because like I, I only did presents with uh, Kara's uh, family so far. I mm-hmm. still have uh, presents with dad and ah. uh, mom's parents this okay. coming weekend. Um uh, Kara's parents, they got me like a lot of stuff. They like an uncomfortable amount of things. <laughs> um, just cause they're really nice, like very yeah. giving people. Um, I got a Gryffindor shirt, which I'm currently sporting. Um, supernatural nice. sweatpants from the show. Um, some socks, a sweater, a dress shirt, all the clothes stuff, more candy. Um, I got another meme related party game. So I had okay. what do you meme and I just got right. the awesome game of meme or something. It's okay. it's like completely like the same premise. Sure. Um Also they got me Star Wars issue 1 of the new run of Star Wars, uh, the oh, loot, okay. the loot crate variant cover of that, which I only had Star Wars and I have it in trade format, so mm-hmm. it's it's neat to have the first yeah, that's issue. Yeah, cool. Um and for my dog, Harry, Kara, and I, <laughs> Ikea started a new pet line. Oh, boy. So we bought him the Ikea pet couch, oh, which God. it's like a fold-out couch. So, it like, you can fold the cushion up, and it's a couch, and then you can also <laughs> unfold it, and it becomes, like, a bed. So it's, like, permanently in bed mode because he needs the extra space because he's, like, he's not big, but he's really long. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And then, I'm hoping Kelly isn't listening to this because she will want to buy something for Beamer. Yeah, uh, most Ikea. of the stuff they have is for smaller dogs. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so I don't know that Beamer would have a whole lot of 
stuff like for him. Um, and then I bought myself a lot of video games. Like <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Crap ton. Because the Steam sale, the PlayStation Network sure. sale. Um, so here's a short list. Um, Let Them Come, which is like a, it's a 2D. It's a sex simulator. Yeah. Um, Let Them Come on My Face is the uh, rest of the title. Um, no, it's like, it's a sci-fi pixel graphics, like 2D thing where you're stationary and guys are coming in from the right and you're mowing them down and like getting upgrades. Oh, I, I watched a trailer for that. Yeah. It's not great. Um, mm. there, there isn't depth to it really, um, that I was able to, uh, ascertain. Um, mm. I got hard reset redux, which is a sci-fi first person shooter. Um, giant cop justice above all. Which is a, okay. a VR That's, game. That is a pretty good title. <laughs> I know. It's like you're literally like a kaiju cop, like above a city, and you're like catching criminals and like throwing them. That sounds them. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I bought Hellblade on the PS4. Nice. I bought GTA 5 on the PS4, this time on the network sale for $30. I have bought GTA 5 three times. This is time number four because I, I have, yeah. Because I keep buying it and then I'm like, oh, I'm done with it. So I sell it. And then, mm. like, my friends get back on, like, yeah, we're going to go heist. I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to go buy it again. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've done that three times. And now I finally just bought it digitally. So I have it. And I can right. no longer let myself get rid of it. Um, I think I got it for Christmas last year. I okay. asked for it on PS4. And I haven't even unwrapped it yet. It's like, I, I will play it. Yeah. I want to play it. But I just I don't have time. Yeah. So there's a new heist uh, that they mm, added okay. to it where. It's De- like DeLoreans. Um, All right. And you, you get to fly a hover DeLorean and then you fly it into the air and it shoots missiles and it's really fucking dope. That sounds um, okay. So we did all the setup missions for the heist, but we haven't done the actual heist yet. Um, I bought Pyre on PC, mm-hmm. um, Undead Development, which is a VR game where you're running around. And the shtick for this one is um, like it's zombie wave based. But the shtick for this one is you have – you can pick, like, a house or whatever you want to set up in, and you can, like, break apart any furniture and then, like, hold it up and then grab a hammer and nail it in place. Mm. And so then, like, you could also grab, like, pieces of lumber so, like, you're lining it up from edge of the door to edge of the door frame and then nailing it in. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. Um, Minecraft Story Mode Season 2. Uh, yet another zombie defense HD, which is complete shit, but it was only like a dollar. <laughs> um, I bought Zombie, which is the PC sure. version of Zombie U. Yeah. Um, I did play I that. Got, I played that on the you Wii should U. Have, you should have gotten it for free on PlayStation Plus. Oh, I think I missed it. Okay. I mean, it was it was like six months ago, if not more, but okay. I, I have that and I wouldn't have bought it. So I'm sure that's yeah. how I got it. I, I keep not checking in on the ps plus games and stuff i need to do that yeah um I, I mean they put good stuff like yeah, i they, uh, they had um i got mgs5 a couple months ago uh oh really yeah oh wow um i bought get even on ps uh, uh pc uh sherlock holmes devil's daughter which is have you played any of those i have other not sherlock Holmes? Okay. so this was I, I've, it's normally 50 dollars, and i got it for i think it was 15 Mm-hmm. And so, because like they, they're always so expensive, and I don't yeah. want to like jump in not knowing what it is. So this was only fifteen bucks. So I was like, I'll give it a shot and see what it's like. I've heard very mixed, like yeah, not not about 
people have different opinions about them, but that like from one game to the next, you can never tell what the quality will be. Some of them are right. great, some of them are terrible. Right. So I'm curious to see how how you how you what do you think about those? Yeah, I don't know. I bought all four Serious Sam VR games along with Talos Principle <laughs> VR. So Talos every nice. single one of those games is forty dollars. So that's a two hundred dollar mm-hmm. bundle. I got it for forty nine dollars. So I got all five. Otherwise, of those you'd be games. losing money. Exactly. I'd just be hemorrhaging <laughs> money otherwise. Certainly not now. Um, I bought Earthlock Festival of Magic on the PS4. It's like a kind of a pastel painted art style RPG, kind of a classic turn based combat thing. Kara's mm-hmm. playing it. She said it started off a little slow. Um, and then I bought Just in Time Incorporated, which is another VR game. Mm-hmm. Um, that looks like a lot of fun because I wanted to buy it a while ago, but it only had uh, Vive support, but they've added Rift support since then. Okay. So I went ahead and picked it up. Um, so those are all the games I bought myself. Um, That's quite a quite a few. Yeah, in between the last podcast and this one. Um, How much did you end up spending on the Steam sale, if you don't mind me asking? And I guess the PS4 sale. Um, on Steam, 150 Okay, that's not as bad. When you said that $50 bundle, I figured, oh boy, if that was one $50 bundle. No, no. Um, and then on PS4, probably like another six, 55 60 Yeah. Yeah, 55 because Hellblade was like $21, Earthlock mm. was like 2 or $3, and then GTA Five was 30 So, um, yeah, so is about the PS4 200 bucks. S- is the PS4 sale still happening, or did it end on Christmas? Uh, because I need it's to check it today question. if it's still going on. I forgot about it. Yes, for holidays. Because despite me getting a ton of games for Christmas, there are still, especially downloadable games, there are a lot. Like, I would love to play Pyre, Sinuous Sacrifice. Yeah, it's still going on. There are on. several others. Nice. Um, I'll have to check that out. I might drop another 100 bucks. <laughs> yeah, they've got, like, Bioshock Collection for 30 which I know you already have. Um, yeah. Let's see. For Honors, only 25 bucks. Need for Speed Payback, <laughs> 30 uh, Skyrim Special Edition's only 30 I already have that, and I've put, like, 600 more hours into it. Yeah. Um, uh, World, Call of Duty World War II is 45 It's 25%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They have... We, we, we got fun out of there that. There are 600... It would have been more fun. It would have been more fun if, uh, we... If it actually had a co-op campaign, yeah. which we thought it did. Right. <laughs> but what are you gonna do? That was our own fault. Uh, there were 679 <laughs> items on sale. Damn, for week that's a two. lot. So, I All mean, right, most cool. of it's probably like DLC bits, sure. Bob's skin that's packages still, and stuff. But yeah, so I'll have to check that out. So Could yeah. spend the next couple hours today scrolling through all that shit. Right. Well, cool. Um, I mean, I I got a like like we were saying, we had already done our Christmas, so like half of our Christmases were over. But um, did our Christmas with Dad. He actually came last weekend, which I guess I should say apologies for no episode last week. That's why we were just trying to get prepped for Dad to come. And we were going to record it the morning or I guess the day that he was arriving and just ran out of time. So sorry for the delay. But now you get a supersized Christmas wrap up episode so oh yeah also you're welcome this is gonna be a long one our yeah our document for notes (laughs) for the for the podcast is eight pages so yeah it's normally it's normally like two pages and it's even just our what you're playing what you're watching what you're reading is an entire page so yeah 
lots of updates to give you guys on. So hopefully you're on the drive back from visiting family and have four hours to kill. <laughs> um, but yeah, so dad was here and we did our Christmas and uh, Kelly's family. We do Secret Santa every year. So we just pull random names and buy each other a gift. And so... Um, from that, I got uh, Mario and Rabbids, which I'm really excited about. That was like not the game I was the Switch game I was least excited to get of the four necessarily because like I'm still excited for it. But if there was one game that I wasn't going to buy for myself, it was gonna be that game just because sure. I have so many other things going on. So I'm extra thankful to have got it for Christmas because now I have to play it immediately. <laughs> so maybe it's bad too. But um, also got uh, Mario Odyssey. And near autom- automata, automata. I don't know how the fuck you're supposed to say it. It's stupid Japanese. Know. But I got both of those from Dad. And actually, because we have a tradition where we do clues on our gifts. Oh yeah. And um, I would say Kyle and I, we're both pretty good at clues. I think we're both fairly clever people. Mom is maybe not amazing at giving clues because hers are always so random. And it's one of those where like. Like, a good clue is you 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 aren't able to figure it out, but, when but you as soon as you open it, it's, it, it's that light bulb. Like, yes. oh, yes, of course. With mom's clues, you have no idea what it is. You open the present and still have no idea what the clue, <laughs> how it relates. And, and so she has to explain it. <laughs> That's how mom gives clues. And dad's kind of the other way where a lot of his clues They're are maybe obvious. a little too obvious. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it's like the perfect, perfect scenario. See, but uh like with mom, they're unnecessarily uh-huh. obfuscated, and dad, right. they're unnecessarily obvious. Yes. And so you and I, the product of those two people, yeah, we give sense. perfect clues. Perfect clues, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, anyway, so dad got me Mario Odyssey and near. Automata, I'm going to pronounce it, but um, he's always been like very anti video game. Yeah. And at this point, it's kind of like dad grow up. Video games have been around for like 50 years. And so he was big in when the Game Boy first came out. We bought him one and he played a lot of Mario Golf because he loves golf in real life. Right. And we had a Sega Game Gear. We would play racing games. But just he always looked at it as like a time waster for us. And that hasn't changed as I've gotten older and like I have a job and a wife and it's still he's like wasting your time playing video games, <laughs> whatever, dad. But so his clue for this was an Eagles song that starts with W. And so I Googled Eagles songs that start with W and found the song titled wasting time and so i i knew immediately that it was some kind of video game thing so you know what thanks dad for that's those a good clue it that is, is it is a good clue. clue it's a good clue uh but yeah so that was fun um he also got i got a uh switch joy con charging dock which is another one where like i wouldn't have bought it for myself just because all those switch peripherals are so fucking expensive right, right. but it is super convenient to have because i i don't know I play on the TV more than I do handheld. Okay, you do. And so it's just, yeah, it's just more convenient to plug them in the switch or the charging dock versus like putting them back on the tablet. So it's a nice thing to have. And I got the Star Wars Aftermath books, which I'm really excited about. I already mentioned I got the Prince of Thorns trilogy for mom, which I was excited to start. But I bought like two years ago when it first came out the first Star Wars Aftermath book. Just never got around to reading it. And the other two have come out, and so I was like, "Hey, I need Christmas gifts. 
let me ask for those. So now I have all three. So nice. I will die into those, dive into those at some point. Who the fuck knows when? Because there are a lot of video games to play. Um, I guess before we dive into that, because that's going to be a hefty segment. Yeah. I also uh, wanted to announce that uh, I accepted a new job last week. Hooray! Tell yeah. us all about it. Yeah. So. Um, it, it was a, a bit of a stressful scenario. I mean, it's all positive because I got a job out of it. Right. But um, I w- there were two final places that were, like, the ones I was gunning for. Both of them are healthcare technology companies, so it's stuff I feel, you know, really um, comfortable with. And uh, I got an offer on one opportunity and was really excited about everything and, like – the salary was less than like what I was hoping it would be. And so that was the only thing kind of holding me back from it. Sure. There was another opportunity that I was also really excited about. I was having a lot of problems getting in touch with their HR representative who was kind of like the go between. He just wasn't responding to emails. I asked him to call me cause I wanted to let him know that, Hey, I have this other offer. I want to keep talking and have my options available. And he just wouldn't respond. So uh, I called the the first place back and said, Hey, you know, this is the only piece that maybe isn't blowing me away what do you think about this range? And uh, they got back to me like an hour later and said, yeah, let's do that. And so I was like, that's awesome. Nice. Great. And so was still waiting to hear back from the second place and just wasn't hearing back. It was the end of the day. And I was like, you know what? This is just a sign telling me where I'm supposed to go. So I called the first place back and accepted. And I was really excited about it. An hour later, Ugh. I got a call from the second place, the woman who would have been my boss. And she said, hey, hopefully they passed along. Sorry we haven't been in touch, but hopefully they passed along. We we're sending you an offer tomorrow. I was like, well, they didn't do that. But uh, what? Ugh. So I got that offer and just kind of had to make the choice. And it was basically choosing between – well, I mean it was both opportunities I was excited about. The money was fairly similar. Um, the second place was a little bit more, but it was located, my commute would be like an hour each way. And, uh, I talked to them and they were like, Hey, you don't need to come into the office every day. You can work remote. And just for me, I'm not as effective working remote. I want to be in the office around the other folks. That's fair. Being in that my work mindset and just talking to Kelly just felt better about the first opportunity. So I thankfully didn't have to call them back and tell them I changed my mind because I decided to stick with that. So, yeah, I'm super excited. Both places were very generous and would allow me to start on January 15th so I can finish out uh, my final day at my current job on the 12th, which is when our office is closing, and I get my severance package that way still. So, very happy, very excited. and Coming up aces. Kelly and I... Yeah, man. Kelly and I, like, she's starting a new job tomorrow. I'm starting one in a couple of weeks. So That's fantastic, man. We're, we're both uh, we're both pretty excited about it. Obviously, like, for hers, it's net positive. Mine, I would have rather not been looking for a job because sure. I would have rather stayed where I was. But, it, it, you know, it is what it is. And at least I'll be making more money <laughs> in this <laughs> other position. So, yeah. Oh, so, you, so you, will, uh, you will be making more than the current job? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Always. We could talk offline. We could talk yes. offline in more details yeah, about no, that. No, don't. Yes. That doesn't need to be on here. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So I mean, all good Christmas shit, man. Yeah. It's, it's a, a magical time of year <laughs> where jobs are gifted out like candy canes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sh- and I grabbed one I, off the tree. <laughs> I'm sure all of our all of our listeners will not be jealous and or mad at you for having two possible job offers. 
Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it was just a nice. It, it was like I said, it was a stressful thing yeah. to have these two opportunities because there are so many benefits to both, as well as like a couple of potential negatives to both. It's no job is perfect. Right. And so it was just like I was freaking out, stressed about it. And I was talking to a couple of my coworkers, and one of them was like, "Shay, this is good stress. Like, it's not, it's not not stressful. But either way, you're gonna have a new job. You're gonna be making more money. Either option is a great one. Right. So, right. Very thankful to that, and especially thankful to pops who I called like every day asking for advice <laughs> and like what I'm supposed to do in this situation because even though I turned 30 in four months, I am not an adult. I don't know how to do this, <laughs> but it's done. Yeah. It's done. I mean, if there's one thing dad knows about, it's uh, that whole part of life, you know, getting and maintaining jobs and business world and professional Absolutely. world and all that. So, And he helped me negotiate, so awesome. I was happy about that too. Um, so I guess – because we have so much stuff to talk about. Oh, boy. Let's talk about it. So the past, what? I guess it's been three weeks. What? what? Talk about it? I know. Yeah. Let's just run. Like, let's not talk about it. Let's just list <laughs> the things we watched, and we'll just move on. Take all the fun out of it. <laughs> well, no, but it's I, been I like three weeks. we could show it, being this, you know, this being an audio format. I was thinking we would hold up sure. pictures okay. of all the things we played. Or we could like describe the thing and not say the name, and then the the listeners can write in with their answers. <laughs> Turn this into like a quiz show Oy. podcast. Uh, but it's been three weeks since we've recorded, which is plenty of time, as well as like being off work, right? To play stuff and watch stuff. So, how about you hit me first? What uh, what games have you been focusing on All the right, past I'll couple draw weeks? First blood. Um, so I started off playing Assassin's Creed Origins shortly after our last podcast um uh-huh. and i'm probably like 10 or 11 hours into it i beat the first big area got to the second big area and then realized that the second big huge area i was in was one extremely small percentage of <laughs> the main map i had this moment where and Kara keeps laughing at me about it um because i was <laughs> i was playing it and then i pulled up the world map and like there's the part i had discovered and then it's like black around like the mm-hmm. animus fog and i was like mm-hmm. oh okay that's like the end of the play map thing it's right. like the game is structured such that you have this beginning area and then you go to the next area then you go to the next area and then so i but i got this quest and i was like i can't find the quest marker on here anywhere i don't know what's going on with it and then i noticed on the map screen there's like a zoom out button I was like, oh, no. And so I zoomed out, <laughs> and then there's, like, four more of those giant areas that I've been spending hours in. I was like, oh, awesome. no. And I was like, well, the zoom out button's still lit up. <laughs> so I hit it again, and it zoomed out again, and then again, and then wow. again. <laughs> and wow. it's, like, it's just so big. So basically, you're uh, never beating this game. No. It's overwhelming. It's too mm. much, man. It's way too uh, much. Do, do they do they litter everything with icons like the old Assassin's oh, Creed games? Yeah. That's too bad. I just, well, like, I hate, I, yeah. I hate that. Like, because it, it's overwhelming. Like, it's awesome that there's so much stuff to do, but find maybe a different way of communicating that. Like, I do like how in Zelda, you have where you use your, um, whatever goggles to like highlight things and you you pick them on your own map just because it's there's more discoverability there and it's not you don't look at your map and immediately go holy shit i'm never finishing any of this yeah i don't know and like i i understand from a develop 
uh, a developer's point of view where they want you to engage with all of the content. They want to make sure you don't yeah. miss anything. Yeah. But when you have that much content, it's it's okay to miss some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, everywhere I go, there's like five or six quest things that pop up. That like oh, I have to go there, talk to them, get the quest, do the quest, come back to them, go somewhere else, do all this other stuff, and that leads me mm-hmm. to new areas where more quest markers are popping up, and I keep getting more and more quests, and I have like 35 quests right, right now, and I don't know what the fuck to do with all of them. <laughs> it's is very overwhelming, um, and it's 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 really weird because there's way more RPG in this Assassin's Creed than there ever has been before. Like hmm. enemies have levels. And quests wow. have recommended levels, and if an enemy's well, too I know far there's above, like loot and stuff. Yeah, now. there's yeah, there's yeah. there's loot. We're like, I got a bow that's the same bow, but it does two more damage. Sure, like it's really weird. It's a lot of like number crunching in ways that we've never had to do in Assassin's Creed before, and like, so like the the upgrade tree, they give you the hidden blade in a cutscene. Um, I think they like found it in a tomb or something like they're like oh here you go and then like the first time you use it you accidentally chop off your finger <laughs> go figure um, so like of course you know he's missing the ring finger or whatever it is um, that the assassins always have chopped off um, and like there's this huge because you're gaining levels so then you're specking into a skill tree and like mm. stuff like technology stuff is hidden away in the skill tree like your fire bombs and your poison darts and stuff like that it's all squirreled away in the skill tree but so you just kind of get that stuff you like spend points and then you just get it whereas in the old right. assassin's creed games there's like a mission involving it or like a character like a yeah. basically a james bond q would like give you like the fire bombs or like you know you know uh, leonardo da vinci was one of them once and like other people sure. like that and there's no character like that in this one. Um, oh, weird yeah and I mean, you have your, like, Bayek's wife who just shows up and they have, like, really aggressive sex every now and then. <laughs> and that's, like, all she does. So, I mean, right. as far as I am, I'm, like, 10, 12 hours in. Um, like, that's that's been her purpose of the plot. I think, like, the real world stuff is super uninteresting and the voice mm. acting for those two characters is bad. The rest that of the voice sucks. acting is pretty good. Um, but, like, those two characters specifically are actually kind of bad. And they yeah. also... Yeah, uh, oh man, they kind of, they, I have heard they make a reference to the movie. Oh like, boy. Like the the main chick, she's like, she's only, she's out there, but she was one of the people who worked on the armature arm thing from the movie that like, right. yeah, like that version of the anime, she worked Marianne on that. Marianne Cotillard's character probably? Uh, no, because this is she's the, like main, the main, this chick. is the main character. Like she worked on it. Oh, she, she oh, was she's one just of the, some random. Yeah, she was, yeah, she she's was some, an extra. Yeah, she's in an the extra Assassin's, in the Assassin's Creed, Creed movie. movie. Um, the main chick, even even better. It's so weird. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you know, I really wanted to be out there working on it, but like they have me out here and da da da, and like it's just the weirdest thing. So like, I'm not super interested in the story because it's just Bayek. Like, hey, I got to avenge my son's death, which was really actually okay. kind of my fault, um, <laughs> and. Because I'm apparently clumsy for no reason, only in that one cutscene. Um, mm. I won't say anything else. Uh, it, it's just it's not super interesting, but like I've heard that the side quests are really good, but there are so many of them that I just skip the dialogue every time because it's like I'm just in a get it done mode because the numbers got to mm. go up so I can beat these harder levels and go into these new areas. But um, are you having fun with the actual moment to moment stuff? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> So, sometimes sometimes interesting okay 
Well, it sounds like, because, I mean, this is one of my games that's on my, like, 10 game list that I own now. So it sounds like maybe that one belongs near the bottom yeah. of my priorities. Um, okay. I mean, you could play it and make your own, make up your own mind. I would say the combat is better than it's been in the past, but that's good. Anima- well, the combat's been awful, but yeah, in yeah. previous games. But animate like there's more, a little more depth to it, more options and stuff. Yeah, and and like the way they've mapped the buttons and the skills and all that, it's a little better. But uh, I think there's um, uh, an- there's a lot of animation priority. Like you hit mm-hmm. a button. I always feel like the combat and even just running around in general, it's not quite snappy enough. So I'm always a, mm-hmm. it's always a couple button presses behind me. It feels like, um, it's like I have to re-hit buttons that I've already hit to have it trigger stuff. So that's just a general complaint for me. Like I, just, because there's so much to do, I want to fucking like get it done, and it's just not <laughs> yeah. happening fast enough. Yeah. Um. And that's that. That's a little frustrating, but it has a lot of really neat options. Like the predator bow is ridiculous. Like you hold down the fire button and then you guide the arrow through the air. What? It's really something else. Um, <laughs> that's probably my favorite skill because there's like a dude behind a pillar, and I'll predator right. arrow to the side and like wanted bullet it into the yeah. Side I was just gonna face say the it's pillar. Assassin's Creed wanted <laughs> edition. It's pretty great. Um, and, like, numbers are flying off enemies when you hit them. Like, That's I'll headshot crazy. the dude with the predator bow, and, like, 900 damage flies off, and then he, and it does, like, this gong sound, and he, like, falls off his horse or whatever. <laughs> like, it's really, it's a, it's a weird, a really weird game. But, you know, I mm. will say, like, um, there are uh, natural history classes that are, are, um, are using the game because there's an explore mode where right. you just like fly around and like look at everything. Um, classes are using that because apparently the most accurate uh, and fleshed out depiction of uh, ancient Greece and like towards the end of the Egyptian culture um, mm-hmm. that anyone's ever done. And so like classes. I'm sorry, are using it's in that. Greece. Yeah, there are the uh, like there are a large part of it is like it's when like the Greeks were taking over parts of. Um, I thought this take took place in Egypt. It is. But I get like I'm getting a lot of Greek stuff happening. Right. But it the game is not set in Greece. No, it's in Egypt. Okay. That's what you had said uh, of it being in Greece. Oh, and sorry. I was very confused. No. It's in Egypt, <laughs> like Cleopatra's yes. character. Yes. Um, but the Greeks were ruling in Egypt. Correct. Or Greek like influence. Inf- heavily influencing their mm-hmm, culture. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like, oh, the Greeks are coming in or the Romans are coming in and they're like changing right. things and stuff. Okay. Um, and so like there are like pantheons that have shot up like alongside these yeah. Egyptian temples, which is really like kind of a cool kind of blending of architecture between the two um uh between the two cultures um mm-hmm. so like that part of it is really um like I'm still finding interesting areas and it's I mean it's a gorgeous game I'm I'm playing on a regular PS4 not a pro but I am on a 4K TV I don't know if that right. is really doing anything for me but um I don't know it looks really good it has run well so far. I haven't run into many like frame issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, technically it's impressive. I just, I feel like it somewhere along the line they lost what it means to be an Assassin's Creed game. But then also, I'm kind of like, did I like Assassin's Creed? 
because I was I was done with Assassin's Creed. Yeah. And now I'm yeah. like, now that they're giving me something different, I kind of just wish it was more regular Assassin's Creed. But maybe I don't. Maybe I don't really know <laughs> what I want from that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I certainly respect them for taking the year off and retooling a lot of the systems. And it sounds like they took a lot of RPG influences. Yeah. It just sounds like maybe them the changes that they made maybe just aren't great across the board. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. And, and, and yeah. not that it feels half baked, but maybe a little misguided in some sure. aspects. Okay. Um, so I'm definitely curious to check it out because. I don't know. Open world RPGs like that aren't usually my thing with few exceptions just because I I do. I get that overwhelmed feeling and games that are that long. If they don't hook me immediately, they're never going to. But I also completely burn out of Assassin's Creed after AC4, which I loved the seafaring combat. That whole aspect was great. I loved the exploration in that, but the the combat is terrible and the story was completely uninteresting. And I was just like, you know what? I'm totally done with this series. So the fact that they are making so many changes is what piqued my interest in origins. Yeah. So interested to see if, uh, they nail more of that than they don't from my perspective. So, right. I certainly have a lot more of it to go. Uh, yeah. Like I've only uncovered like 7% of the map (laughs) or something. Right. Um, so I have a lot more of that game to go. Um, but these are just kind of early-ish impressions. Um, mm-hmm. I've been playing a bunch of Animal Crossing Pocket Camp like every day. I'm like level 43, not to brag. I thought you weren't getting that much out of that game. Um, I'm not, but I'm still playing. <laughs> 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 All right, that sounds that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, boy, those numbers sure go up, and Ugh. it feels just great. Those like idle style games are the worst. I well, this is this, this was, is an idle. This is as active as you can get, but like not in a great way. But it's like a city building ish game where you're waiting for timers and stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, I want to build this. Come back in yes. fifteen minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, that's an idle game. You're not really doing anything. That's fair. You're waiting. You're waiting for the clock to tick that's so fair. that you could wait for another clock to tick. And I'm not judging you. I've played many of those games that like years and years ago. I've just never been a big phone game person. Yeah. But years and years ago, when I was working retail, every lunch break, I'd play the Smurfs iPhone game. That it was. It was one of those. And not because it was fun, because it fucking wasn't, <laughs> but it was something that killed time because I sat there watching 60 seconds tick down so I could click a thing, and now it's 90 seconds I'm watching tick down. It's the worst. <laughs> so I played more of that, and I'm still playing. Um, <laughs> Just wasting your life watching numbers go down. Yeah. See, this isn't even numbers going up. You're watching numbers go down. It's a, it counts down. <laughs> it's That's it's fair. better. So it yeah. counts down to when the numbers go up. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's like the perfect convergence. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I bought Fallout 4 VR on Steam mm-hmm. and played it on the Rift, and there is not official Rift mm-hmm. support, so it was not oh. playable. Uh, so I refunded it. Um, so what? What? <laughs> well, that doesn't sound smart. Like it worked, but the menus. So on the Vive, the Vive has those trackpads. And so the menus are navigated by swiping the trackpad on the Vive. On okay. the Rift, I have analog sticks. So if I push up on the analog stick, it says, oh, trackpad swipe up. 
but when I let go and it snaps back to the center, it's it's trackpad swiped down. So I don't uh, ever actually get anywhere. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, God, yeah. it's so frustrating. <laughs> um, and the Vive controllers are angled differently than the Rift controllers. So the gun was like permanently angled slightly more down than it should have been. Mm. So I felt like my wrists were kind of back a bit to get the gun aimed mm-hmm. straight. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm waiting. I'm gonna wait on. Are that. they adding? Are they adding Rift support to they that? They have not announced it yet, but modders have gone in and <laughs> okay. already done stuff. I guess that yeah, makes it makes it playable. But I want to. I don't want playable. I want like you know, I want yeah. a polished experience. Um, there are other issues with it that I'm not super big on, but apparently, so you know, at the beginning of Fallout Four, there's that master locked ca- gun case with a cryolator in it. You have mm-hmm. to come back later. Apparently, mm-hmm. in VR, you can lean your head into the case and just grab it. <laughs> Wait, I totally support that. That's, That's great. great. And I like. I don't think they're gonna fix it because I'm like on one end, like they could fix it, but on the other end, it's like, you know what? Just sure. have fun in VR, man. Like, yeah, that's break the, the fun game jank. anyways. Yeah, that's yes. the fun jank. <laughs> you start the game off, you lean your head through that's the case so good. and pick it up. That's pretty great. Um, <laughs> uh, I played, I went back and played I Expect You to Die because they added a new mission. Um, that's that, like, um, like uh, early James Bond spy film-esque um VR game uh it's it's got like a lot a lot of personality and it's meant to be played in a chair like you're sitting there and you're interacting with everything and like you're okay. like saving the day all the time and so in this new one you're on a train and like you're interacting it's a it's a puzzle game and so you're interacting with mm-hmm. stuff trying to figure out what to do and you have objectives and all that stuff um and that was it was a really awesome new mission that they just added for free in an update oh that's cool um so that was really really good I played Rick and Morty Virtual Rickality, which was great. <laughs> it's just like Job Simulator, but all Rick and Morty inside humor. Um, mm-hmm. And that was – it was very funny, and, and uh, it was a good time. I probably beat it in like three hours. Um, I picked up Never Stop Sneaking on the Switch. Right. Never yeah, we talked about that a couple sneaking. episodes ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's like you don't hit any buttons. It's all with the stick, and everything is automatic. So you're just moving around the environment. And so, like, if you get spotted by an enemy and you have a bullet in your inventory, it'll automatically shoot the enemy. Which, like, I sometimes I have a full clip of, like, seven or eight shots, and I'll run into a room, and then it's just, like, bang, 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 bang like, all the dudes at once, and it's so satisfying. Yeah, that's um, pretty cool. The writing's really funny. Uh, it, de- it definitely knows what it's making fun of very well. Yeah, it delivers on the Metal Gear Solid totally. satire. Um, and, like, all the weapon, like, like all, all the cosmetic character and weapon combinations you can do, cosmetic only. Um, like, there's a balloon animal one, and there's one that's, like, <laughs> just a banana. And it's literally, you have a banana as a sword and then a banana as a gun. Um, <laughs> It's like there's a lot of really funny things there. When you unsheath the banana, do you take it out of the rind, or like, are you, or you just hold the regular banana? Well, it's just always out. 
Like you're so you have your sword banana in one hand and then the gun banana in the other. All right. Um, so it's always all right. Anyways, there's no that breaks my immersion a little bit. <laughs> I mean, like if you were really gonna use, if you're really going to translate sword to banana, you would you peel should, the banana yeah. and pull it out the, of the rind. Yeah, the peel should be hanging from your belt, and you should pull it yeah. out. And yeah, yeah. Um, but hey, I'm sure you know it's an indie developer; they don't have the budget for that. I get it. Right. Um, and it's. So it it's getting a little old, but it's it's meant to. I think it's meant to be played in like twenty minute increments, um, and right. now it's getting to the point where uh, I've hit a new uh, level of difficulty where everything happens faster. So the enemies move faster, the security cameras rotate faster, the turrets rotate faster, um, the level layout gets a little more convoluted, and so that's how they ramp up the difficulty. Um, there are mm-hmm. only a few different kinds of boss battles at the end of each thing. Um, but even those now at the higher difficulty level, they're changing those up a little bit, which is nice. Um, and I think I'm like 10% done with the game and I've played it for probably four or five hours. So okay. it's like, it's got some length to it, but I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm wondering if like, if that's going to be it the whole time. I'm not going to be able to yeah, play that for you don't 50 want that hours. Much. <clears throat> well, does the percentage, like, does that include collectibles and stuff? Well, so what is what you... it is, you're playing the game, and you're getting this currency, this ESP, and you can spend it on building out your base. Um, and, like, mm. there's, like, only one or two things you can buy at a time, and it's very linear as it climbs up the tree. Um, and so that's the progression, I think, is how many things you've bought in the base. Okay. Because um, you're trying to build a time machine to stop the enemy from going back in time and killing all of the presidents so that he can become president, okay. I think. So you, you need to build a time machine to stop him from using his time machine, I think. It's pretty good. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. That sounds all right. I will say I have fought Vice President Helicopter many times. Mm. He is a, a You just can't take boss. him down for good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've... So Subsistence is a survival game that I have spent quite a bit of time on. Up until a few weeks ago, I'd only played it for about 20, 25 hours. I'd done one world, and um, it's just a survival game with a basic loot, crafting, resource gathering. But the the twist on this one is there are hunters in the world that after a few days they'll spawn, and they'll build their own base, and then come assault Mm -hmm. your base. And, like, Mm -hmm. you can kill them for extra loot and, like, rare stuff. Um but like, uh, and they they the guy who's making the game has been improving on their systems over time, and so it's been a while since I played it. So I came back, and there's all these new features. There's new weapons and items to craft and stuff. So I started playing that again, and then I got it from my buddy Cody, and we played that co-op, which was really awesome. Um, okay. Because co-op is like a semi-new addition to it as well. Um, so it's primarily like a single-player game. It was. It's not like an open. It's not a. It's not a shared world. Right. Like a Rust kind of a game. Right. It was primarily single-player, okay. and they opened it up to like three or four-player co-op. I think. Um, okay. But the more people you have in the game, the harder the enemies are and stuff. Sure. Um, and the more aggressive the hunters are. And uh, he just added, so there are hunters that build bases, and there are also wandering hunters now that he added that have small campfires and they'll wander around. Um, so mm-hmm. you can kind of like, those are usually only like one or two at a time, but then like the bases, once they get bigger, they get more hunters, like up to three or four. And so like fi- fight, fighting a group all at once is really hard. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, that's been a lot of fun. I've been building this giant base 
uh, without him because he only came and played once, but I've just been working on the world. So I was at like 23, 24 hours played a few weeks ago, and then I started playing it again, and now I'm at like 53 hours. So I've played like another 30 hours somewhere in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Jeez. Um, you, need, you need to get some additional responsibilities in your life. <laughs> I feel I like like every like it's like oh a week went by i played video games for 40 hours last week yeah i don't know how you do that uh because i bust my ass the other part of the time so i can have those 40 hours that doesn't make sense yes it does um (laughs) (laughs) also um i haven't gone back and beat uh played resident evil 7 since i beat it when it came out um but they've added all this dlc since then right like the chris redfield dlc and then the zoe dlc so i went back and played those and those were a lot of fun like the chris Mm -hmm. redfield was like a good um like shooter campaign bit where you're going Mm -hmm. after lucas because like lucas is still alive at the end of seven spoiler i guess spoiler alert i don't know who that is um like they don't really wrap his thing up very satisfactorily in the main campaign okay and so i was was always kind of like what did what did something happen with lucas did i miss out on something did i not go to the certain place to see a cutscene or what what happened um but it's because they wrapping his thing up with this chris redfield dlc um so like you go is in he there. the bad guy he was a bad guy yes okay um, okay he, he was one of the family members that were all fucked up um okay. so he like you're you're chris redfield and like you have access to all this tech and these like big guns and stuff that you didn't in the main campaign so like that's fun to go through and kill those enemies and then the zoe dlc you play as like her uncle comes and like, he comes in after the events of everything, so he just sees everything all fucked up. He's like, <laughs> now what in Sam Hill's going on? Like, I'm going to go fight some gators. Like, uh, he's, like, very southern drawl, hillbilly kind of guy where, like, there's newfangled technology, this crap, you know, I live in a hut by the river. Um, he's That's very much him. And his big shtick for that whole DLC is he just punches the shit out of everything. <laughs> so there are these, like, giant monsters, and like, yeah. Ouroboros monsters, and he's just, like, like you do left, right, left, left for, like, a combo, and he's just, like, punching yeah. the shit out of them and making their heads explode. And there's this one enemy who keeps coming back, and, like, they're, like, going at it with each other. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a fun reveal about that enemy towards the end of the DLC. And then at one point in the DLC, towards the end, you get a power glove that the Umbrella sure. Corporation brought with them. So you charge it up and you punch yeah. and it just makes like all of the enemies in front of you explode. <laughs> that DLC is ridiculous. Um, nice. And I was getting like really weird uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong vibes from that DLC. Just because of the setting and some of like the bug creatures and stuff you're finding. And there are throwing mm. spears. Um, mm. and like, that was the big thing about Peter Jackson's King Kong was like grabbing the bones off the dead animals and using them as like yeah. throwing spears. And so there's a lot of throwing spears and stuff in that. I was getting like weird flashbacks to that game. <laughs> um, so those two DLC, like they were really, they were really fun. Um, they were really neat. So if you guys have Resident Evil seven, I highly recommend go play the DLC. It wraps up some of the story stuff that, uh, was left open and, um, is like a fun twist on those enemies. Whereas you spent time like running away and dreading the next enemy appearance in these, mm-hmm. you're just fucking them up, which is a really good feeling. <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, I started and beat everybody's gone to the rapture with, uh, my fiance. She watched mm-hmm. me play. Um, I would say 
that game has some of the best writing and voice acting I have experienced in a game in a while. Mm-hmm. But it suffers from the game aspect. The movement speed is horrendously slow. True. And the AI that you were following around, for me, in my experience, was constantly changing directions and making me rerun places. Yes. It, like, so I would I would go through a memory, and then it would lead me somewhere, and I would go there, and then it would just turn around and go somewhere else. Like, oops, yeah. didn't mean to go here. Let's actually yeah. go here. And when the game moves as slow as it does, it like it is, yes. it is horrendously slow. Um, and when the game moves as slow as that is, like that's like doubling my playtime. Like it, it probably doubled my playtime because mm-hmm. of that. So the game really suffered in my mind because of that. Um, and like, okay. Also, a tooltip popped up that was like, "Don't sprint, or you'll miss things in the environment." And like. <laughs> So if the walking speed is a quarter of a mile an hour, the sprint speed is 0.3 miles an hour. Right. It's barely yeah, fast. It barely does anything. Like you don't want to miss anything. I'm like <laughs> I'm holding shift the entire fucking the game. entire time. And like there are a couple areas where you get up to a good clip, like on the main roads, and then you enter someone's yard, and it's like you just hit a wall. It's like, mm. oh, oh, oh. Like, just the slowest steps known to man. Um, yeah. But the story was good. The voice acting was tremendous. Um, you liked the ending? It was fine. The ending was fine. Yeah, it just, I don't know. I, uh, it was a little too... It's where I figured it would go. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. It just felt, and it's been whenever the hell that game came out. When did it come out? But, um... I don't know. I, the, the ending just didn't really do it for me. It was like too pretentious or something, just like too weird. And just it just it wasn't satisfying the way that it was set up. Hmm. I don't know. I was disappointed playing that game, but I definitely agree with you on the the walking speed was certainly uh, a big negative in that style of game. Yeah. Having it be such a huge world where you're just walking from point to point and listening, you're not really doing anything in the game. Right. Man, it was that was brutal. Yeah. Um but you know, like again, I think the writing was uh, tremendous, and I liked all of the slice of life bits that you were getting from yeah, these little, yeah. these, these little moments that felt really real. Right. Um, just because like the foley work was really good that went along with them. Um, it was yeah, it was, it was really good. Um, I picked Rock Band Four back up, dusted the cobwebs off my instrument, and started playing that again. So I've been having a good time going through that. Um, why like why you just you have family over or something that you're wanting to play no, or I, just wanting to play i saw it on my shelf and i was like oh yeah i own that <laughs> and so i got it back out and started playing again um so i mentioned i bought let them come that 2d thing i played that mm-hmm. um i played west of loathing my friend connor gifted it to me on steam it's like a stick rpg but like a western and the writing is hilarious it's really funny cool. um but it suffers from like some horrendous inventory management because you're constantly getting this influx of items. I felt like I have to grind a lot because like it's not balanced really well for some of the enemy mm. encounters. Um, so I I played about six hours straight of that uh, the other <laughs> night, not last night but the night before. Um, so I guess yeah, Christmas Eve I played a lot of that because he gifted it to me that day. Um, that's probably as much of that as I'll play because um, while mm. the writing is fun, it just got to feel 
um, very rote. Like I was doing the same thing over and over again. Okay. Um, and the grinding was not. I like I have other stuff to play. Um, sure, of course. Last night I played Get Even in one sitting. So Get Even is a first-person shooter published by Bando Namkai. Um, I did not expect that kind of production value from that game. It's a thirty-dollar game normally on Steam, uh, mm-hmm. and it was on sale for fifteen. And is this VR? No, it's first-person shooter. Huh. So it's it has the like the modern horror game of like I have a cell phone and I'm walking around. So those are the images I first saw of it. I was like, oh, it's okay. another one of those. Yeah. Um. But then I saw other images and I was like, oh, there's like he has a pistol. Okay. Well, that seems kind of weird. Like it's a weird blending mm-hmm. of the genres or whatever. Um. And so like I dug further into it and I watched like a I think Giant Bomb did a quick look. I was like, this seems really interesting. So I I finally picked it up. I've been meaning to get it. I wanted to get it on sale, and. <laughs> The thing about that game, <laughs> there is a weapon, <laughs> and they literally just call it the corner gun, because what it does is it has a small camera on the side. You go oh, to a no. corner, and you hit E, and the gun does a 90 degree on the edge of it, and then the camera shows you what's around the corner. No. And then you just shoot around the corner. <laughs> and, it, and the the camera has like uh like uh um uh like heat uh what is that? Thermal vision and it has yeah. all these other different types of visions and stuff and you can there's also because it's a 90 degree turn like left or right, you can be mm-hmm. behind cover, look straight up and hit E <laughs> and then the gun pokes above the cover. It's the best. It's so cool. That is a cool. That's a cool thing. Yeah, that but they feel like maybe that takes away a lot of the challenge of the game. No, but. no, it, it because like the the combat isn't really the point. In fact, like because I played it like a first person shooter, like I was killing everybody. But the guy was like the whole time he's like, yeah, you should not kill people because that'll it's like all a simulation thing. Um, mm. He's like, it'll make the memories unstable, like blah blah blah. And I was like, fuck you, I'm shooting these dudes. I want to <laughs> see what happens when I do. Um, yeah. Turns out. Not a good idea to shoot everyone. Um, that's all I'll say is it made oh, with the another part of the game a lot harder for me. Gotcha. Um, okay. Uh, and but, but it was it was fun. It was satisfying. And <laughs> there are like multiple parts of the game where you're walking around this asylum and this character's talking to you about your memories because the whole thing is you're like a mercenary who lost his memories and like you think you know what happened and you're trying to like. This guy's trying to get you to remember what really happened or get you to confess to mm-hmm. something you don't remember doing. And, like, that bit, like, happened. And I was like, oh, that was the end of the game. And then, like, mm. the other half of the game started. Nice. And I was like, whoa, holy crap. Because <laughs> I was, like, four hours in at that point. And I was like, okay, yeah, like, a nice wrap-up time. And then, like, I had another, like, two and a half hours of the game left, which was pretty neat. So it was about six hours, six and a half hours. Is this PC only? I think so. I think it's only a PC. Oh, okay. Um, that sounds pretty interesting. It was really interesting. And, like, you're walking around with the phone. You have different apps on it, like the thermal vision. You have, um, like, a scanning thing where you go around the environment and you scan stuff. Um, and it gives you, like, info on it through this, like, mm-hmm. voice thing. There's a map that you can pull up. There's, like, text messages that you get throughout the thing. And it's, like, it gets very psychological, um, like, messing with your mind, especially during the asylum parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were genuine parts where, like, that... 
actually had me like really scared. Especially like the beginning of the game, like they do some amazing stuff with the soundtrack where like just like sounds and stuff that are happening that are like part of a musical score, but mm. like happening at like a a gradual quickening pace that you don't notice until it's like deafening and like your heart mm. is like beating along with it. Um <laughs> it was like it was surprisingly good like especially if you could pick it up on the winter sale right now like for 15 dollars, that game's stupendous um cool it was really really neat i thought the voice acting was generally pretty good um yeah i it's, some of the visuals were uh subpar but you know it like right it's um it's a small developer that was just you know public, yeah lower budget yeah, game lower budget yeah. game published under the umbrella of Bandai Namco, um, and yeah I was it was a very pleasant surprise. Um, I think Vinny from Giant Bomb had also said that he was pleasantly surprised by some of the things that were going cool. on in it. Um, but yeah, the corner it's literally just called the corner gun. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, That's fantastic. So play that. Uh, that's what I have played. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought that I had a lot of video games, and then I just listened to you talk for like 30 minutes about all the video games that you've been playing. Yeah, so, well, because I've been trying I, to get some of the stuff done. Yeah. I mean, and I like I, I feel like I've been playing a lot, but I guess I've been putting more hours into fewer amounts of games. So um, I beat South Park, which like I'm glad that I did, especially right around Christmas when I have all these other games coming out. Right. Um, I still really loved it. It's definitely going to make my top 10. Uh, the ending, I don't know. It felt like maybe it went on a little, like it, it maybe overstayed its welcome just a little bit. Just because, like, the humor at, at, at a certain point, I'm like, all right, like, I get it. I get you, South Park. But that's partially why those 22 minute episodes of the show are so good because it's condensed mm. and in a much longer game, it's a little bit different. I think it, I ended up taking me maybe 22, 23 hours to beat total, which is fairly short for being a Japanese RPG style game, yeah. but stick of truth was much the same. It was uh, on the shorter end, which right. I think is better. It fits yeah, that style it, it of game. Services it uh, better. Um, I definitely, I definitely still wish the side missions were a little more involved, and rather than just like most of the fetch quests of what they are, sure. essentially, that would have, like, obviously that would have increased the time, but it also would have made those side missions a little more interesting. But the because the main story, there's so much going on and so many big story beats, it it all still feels okay. okay. There is one boss near the end of the game, which is the only time that I died like multiple times on a level because it's not like a difficult game, but it fall it falls into that JRPG style trap where like, you know, in the game you have your different party members who have different types of skills. And most importantly, because it is grid based, they attack different kinds of grids. Like you'll have one guy who can like Stan he, his character can attack in a straight line on both sides or diagonally on both sides mm. versus someone like Kenny's character primarily can only attack one block in any direction, that kind of thing. Okay. And so I'm fighting against a boss who you need to stay away from 
And because of the way that my guys are set up, my group that I like, most of my guys are up close and personal. And so I would, I just, like, I couldn't beat him because he was doing so much damage. And so I eventually just had to learn my lesson, switch out and play with guys I don't normally play as to be able to stay farther away. Which, like, it's fine. That's kind of just how the game's set up. But that was the one point where I was like, eh, this isn't as much fun because now I'm trying it for the fifth time. Just let me let me find a way of beating this dude. Like, don't force me to use characters that I don't want to use. Right. I don't know. Now Now that I'm talking through it, maybe it isn't as big of a deal as I thought at the time. But for how fun and relatively easy the game was, that was, like, the one moment of frustration I had sure, with it. Sure, sure. Still highly recommended. Um, I think you're going to like it if and when you ever get around to it yeah, with all the other stuff. Good Lord. <laughs> um, so, like I said, I got... Uh, my Switch and a bunch of uh, Switch games, so I've been playing quite a bit of Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Tell me about it. Yeah, so I have like I'm conflicted about this game because in the beginning I was head over heels in love with it for those first couple hours. Like you're out in this open space, yeah. the game's gorgeous for running on the type of system that it's running and its anim- its uh, visual style being a little bit more cartoony certainly serves it but just so many colors and all that, like it it looks beautiful and i love running around and exploring and kind of figuring out all the little nuances to the world and like all the korok seed little fun things and all that kind of stuff but so many des- design decisions about that game to me are just objectively terrible yeah like the inventory is so bad. bad. The um just on a fundamental level, having degrading weapons, I just don't think is fun. Right. And combine that with the UI of changing and switching your weapons being also bad. Yep. Like the different button combinations you need to use of like, oh well, you need to have your sword equipped. Or you need to have your bow equipped, and then you can change the bow you're using. But now if you want to change the sword, you need to equip your sword, then you can change the sword you're using. Yeah, that stuff's like, bad. So much, it feels so ill-conceived, and as much fucking time as I spent making this game, it just it's inexcusable to me that they made those types of decisions. And maybe there just isn't a better option because of the way the Switch controller is, but... So much of that stuff is just bad. And I like I don't think the cooking is fun. Like it was cute the first couple of times to like figure out different recipes, but I find that process to be exceptionally tedious. Yes. Where like you have to pick individual things and then drop them into the pot. Like that is just so annoying yeah. and takes longer. Like I don't I don't want to do that stuff a a thirtieth time, right. you know? Right. And my biggest frustration, because like I can look all past all past that, because I'm enjoying the exploration, I'm enjoying the world, the story, the combat. I think is pretty fun, but I'm still relatively early. I I guess. I mean, I went to the uh, laboratory place early on, yeah. and I've explored some additional areas and gotten some towers and some extra. Uh, what are they called? Where you get the soul things. Shrines. The, the dungeons. Shrines, thank you. And so I've done several extra of those outside of my regular zones. And then I've, I'm have i now at... Fuck. I'm, it's been a couple days since I played it, so I'm forgetting the names of everything. But I'm at the the fish guys. Is, are, is it the Zoras? Zora, Zora? Yeah. yes. I'm at the Zora place, and um, I'm figuring out how to defeat their celestial beast or whatever. Right. Um, 
so I'm like, I'm, I'm several, I mean, I don't even, I'm, I'm like maybe 10 hours into the game at least. Uh, and I'm like getting chunks into the story, but I still only have six hearts. I, I've gotten two heart containers and I got one stamina container because man, the stamina is also annoying. Like the climbing isn't fun in this game. It's tedious yeah. and r- the run speed is slow. And because you run so many places, how fast the stamina goes down is such a pain in the ass. Yeah. So I went ahead and got one stamina container. I regret it now because like most of the enemies kill me in one hit. And I know you can cook all this stuff to increase your hearts, increase your defense, but I don't want to fucking deal with that. Like that's again, it's just not a fun mechanic. Have you bought I don't want to have Um yeah, well I mean I, I'm right now I'm wearing the armor that lets me swim up the waterfalls that I got from the Zora. Uh, and I bought a hood that gives me like three extra defense. Oh, I think you got I, farther than I did because I never got that Zora suit thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I just spent, um, I spent a lot of time just exploring and ignoring the story. Sure, and I did that up front, and then I started going in places. I'm like, oh, everything is killing me in one hit. I guess I should maybe stick back to the story. Right. And turns out that didn't change anything because everything still kills me in one <laughs> hit. So. Because I know, like, I know you can eat all that stuff to give you extra resistance and whatnot, but, like, that just isn't fun. I don't want to be fiddling in a menu to find the right item to eat. It doesn't let you sort it very well, so I can't, like, it's hard to look for the items I want to use at a certain time. It's just, like, the game is standing in the way of me enjoying the game, and that really frustrates me. Because outside of all those small mechanical UI design decisions, I fucking love this game. But, like... That is, it's, I mean, it's ruining my experience. And because I have so many other games, and especially Switch games, there are others, there's other stuff that I want to play so much more than I want to play Zelda. And that just bums me out, especially when I'm seeing it win Game of the Year from basically everywhere. And I just look at it and I'm like, like, I get that the quality aspects of a game can override the negative aspects. But to me, there are so many negative aspects of this game that are inexcusable. I just don't see how this game could win game of the year. Like, and I, it's, yeah. incre- it's 100% subjective. I'm not blaming anyone for having a particular opinion, but for me, I look at it and I'm like, I just fundamentally disagree with giving this game game of the year because of the issues with it. Yeah. I'd feel the same way with a game that has a shit ton of bugs. Like, yes, is the game fun despite the bugs? Absolutely. But if a game, if your experience is marred by these constant bugs, how can you say that it's the best game? I don't know. That's just the, my approach to it. I could get, like I said, I agree. can't blame anyone for disagreeing, but that's kind of where I am on Zelda. I'm obviously going to keep chipping away. Um, but it is taking a little bit of a backseat to some other stuff like Super Mario Odyssey, which is fucking incredible. That game is <laughs> amazing. Um, I am I beat like the first three or four worlds, and I've only played it. I think I played it in two sittings, and I'm like ten hours in already. Because man, that game just fucking hooks you. Um, yeah, I don't even know what to say about Mario because it's just it's just awesome. It is. It's Super Mario Galaxy on the Switch. Like, the way that they add um, the cappy mechanics is brilliant. Um, I mean, the camera can still be a problem, which it has been in every 3D Mario game. But, I I mean, I just love the world and exploring. And just the aesthetic is so adorable and fun. There's so many awesome things to discover in that game and getting the moons. And, I don't know, it's... There's so much shit in that game, so much hidden stuff that makes it really fun to explore and and find. Right. So, um, 
that's my like number one game that I want to be playing right now. I'm just having an absolute blast with it. Nice. Um, I have put some time into Near Automata. Uh, I I made a decision based on what everyone said about this game. In that the story is the draw. Yeah. The crazy shit that happens is is the draw, and like the wacky endings that you need to get. Like those things are what the game is about. I played the demo. The combat didn't really grab me. I liked the changing perspective, how like that it's top down weird. and then it's traditional third person and then it's side scrolling. Like I really like all of that. With actual combat, I just never got anything out of. So I made the decision. I put it on easy and I'm just going to go through the game, destroy everything easily in the combat. But then I can at least see the batshit stuff in the game. Right. I, I feel good about that decision but it is like making the game a little bit less not fun necessarily but like i'm less engaged yeah inherently because it's not hard and on easy mode like i have these uh i don't know i don't know what they're called in game but they're like because everything's very like uh systemic very mechanical robot kind of stuff right. and so i have these pods i think they're called think pods. pods yeah and so i can turn it where like i auto fire and so whenever I get within a certain range, my little drone robot shoots. And so I'm not having to hold down that trigger at the same time as I'm attacking. Right. And, like, that's, like, a nice little convenience thing that helps me do more damage, get through the combat a little faster. It's already super easy. So that I'm not just – I'm just not finding all that engaging. But the story is fucking bonkers. Yeah. I'm not super far into it yet. I'm feeling very – overwhelmed i guess like i just have no idea what is going right. on in the game right um but i've started to get to the point because it deals very closely obviously with like androids and our robots people do they have feelings all that yeah. is like very obvious uh themes of the game and i'm deep enough now where like that's starting to come to a head and that is all really interesting and there are several like funny moments with the robot enemies that you fight because uh, there's one moment where um, they're the robots that I'm fighting right now, they think they're people. And so they're talking to me like they're people, like asking me not to hurt them. Like, oh, don't hurt me. Yeah. And so I come across one where they think they're like families. And so there are some robots that are like pushing a crib back and forth because they think there's a baby in there. And then you look next to them and there are two robots that think they're having sex. And so one of the robots is just like banging into yeah. another robot metal crotch so i i, I talked to you game. about the robot gangbang on a previous yes. episode that's that area yes. isn't it yeah so it's, it's a, i mean thing. it's very japanese it's a, it's a an incredibly japanese game yes. i i wouldn't say that like i'm loving it so far i'm more just kind of like i find it more odd yeah. than i do fun more curious but uh yeah th- there's enough to it that i'm gonna keep uh keep playing it and um I don't know. We'll see. It is one of those where I'm I'm a little borderline on it. I'll put another couple more hours into it, and then if it if nothing really happens in the story that like totally blows me away, I might put it on a shelf and maybe come back to it. If not, I'll look up some endings on YouTube and see if I get anything out so of that. Have you but, been uh, to the amusement park yet? No, I'm still okay. pretty early. I think on. that's the next area you go to is the amusement park because okay. I have done through the amusement park and into the tree area, um, and that's where I stopped. Okay. Um, just because I haven't gone back to it yet, I still right. intend to at some point. Um, I yeah, I did like interested. all the de- I did the desert area. Yeah, I'd, that's I'll, what I just finished. Okay, I'll be interested to see what you have to say about that amusement park area because it's really something. I, I will say another thing against it: 
it looks like a PS2 game. Yeah, the vi- visuals are like, like it is. It is hideous. The director of the game came out and said, "Yeah, the graphics are not the point." <laughs> but like, come on, yeah, dude. Some of it's I loaded. Bad. I loaded into one one of the maps, and it did like a three sixty turn around my character as she kind of lands. And it's a bunch of buildings. And the building behind me, they clearly took a square and pasted it 80 times to make the building. Because it's the same exact square of, like, there's a crack here. There's a moss thing here. Here's where the window is. It's just the same. Like, 80 of them. And I was like, are you serious? Like, really? This is... It it looks atrocious. It is one of the worst-looking PlayStation 4 games I've ever seen. Also, it runs like garbage. Like, it frames break all the time. Oh, I haven't had that yet. And also, going back to Zelda, that game runs like crap, too. Which, granted, it's a giant game, but still. You're playing on the TV primarily, right? I've played it both ways. Okay. It plays better in handheld mode. That's good to know. I just... It looks great, and Mario looks great too. And I played played Mario Kart on the tablet as well. They all look phenomenal for being so small, and because it's condensed like that, I just don't want to look at a smaller screen when sure. I have a fifty-five inch screen mere feet behind that. Yeah, so that's just kind of my philosophy. But um, yeah, man, near. It's an ugly game, but it's weird. <laughs> it so sure it has is. that going for it. Um, it's on the back of the box. Yeah, I guess that's kind of. All the games I've been playing, I still have so much other shit that I need to get to. I'm wanting to finish Mario Odyssey. That's my like number one I want to finish, and as well as Nier, so that I can listen to the game, the Giant Bomb Game of the Year podcast because I know they'll have Nier spoilers. Yeah, and then I'll pick up uh, Mario and Rabbids, and I got to decide if I want to play Prey or Assassin's Creed Origins first. I need to make mm. that choice. I'm not sure which way I'm going to go, but. Um, yeah. Mm. Unfortunately, I do think that Zelda is going to take a bit of a back burner. I've gotten enough out of it to know how I feel, which is I love a lot about it, but I hate a lot about it too. And so I'm like, I don't feel obligated to be playing it for 10 hours every week. I would rather play some other stuff. And then, I mean, that game's incredibly long. It's not like I'm going to be done with it. Right. But right. it'll be forever. I can come. Before you're done I can with come it. back and yeah, I can come back and play it in like May and not feel like I really missed anything at this point. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's kind of all my games. Before we jump into some other stuff, I should say, and we really should have started with this because it's the most important thing to talk about that we've experienced or that oh, I've experienced right. at least. And that is, I tried the new Mountain Dew flavors. And I actually meant to bring this up last episode. Cause I, we um, were driving to come visit you guys and we stopped, you know, for our road trip to get some caffeine and the gas station had two new Mountain Dew flavors, tropical smash and Arctic blast. And they're both fucking really terrible. terrible. <laughs> they are awful. Absolutely awful. I don't even know how to describe them. The Tropical Smash one is just like, I mean, it's like tropical flavors. And it just feels like garbage. It's like they took a bunch of those fruit flavors and just, it's like a brown fruit flavor, if that makes sense. Uh, like if you mix a bunch of colors together, it makes everything brown. Yeah. That's what this feels like. It's like brown fruit. It's bad. <laughs> and the Arctic Blast tastes like cough syrup, yeah. like blue cough medicine. And it's awful. On the other hand, Mountain Dew also released their Holiday Brew, which is a great name for a soda flavor. Yeah. 
And it's essentially just Mountain Dew Code Red and regular Mountain Dew mixed together. And so it's not it's not amazing. Like, it's certainly not bad. It's perfectly fine. I don't love it. It feels like slightly watered down Code Red. Yeah, I imagine that's what it would feel like. Like, I would rather have a regular Mountain Dew or a Code Red, but simply because it's new and it's holiday themed and it's got red and green all over the can, it's fun to drink as you take a sip of your Mountain Dew pure cane sugar. Throwback. Um, yeah. So, obviously, that's the most important news. I felt I it was a huge miss on my part to not bring that up last episode, so I apologize sincerely. But, in all seriousness, the big thing that we need to talk about is Star Wars. Oh, so we man. both have seen Star Wars. Yes. We're, we're not going to talk about spoilers. We might no. do like a spoiler podcast at some point, whatever, or at least talk a little bit in more detail in like a month once we can guarantee everybody who's going to see it has seen it. But general impressions, how did you feel about Star Wars The Last Jedi? I have issues with it, but I think it is a really fun movie to watch. Like it has mm-hmm. a lot of like fun interactions and fun scenes, a lot of good like action big set piece moments it has a few of those Mm -hmm. it has a sequence of like the like the place that's filled with the weird made-up star wars aliens um like the practical effects kind of area for that stuff it has one of those um it has plenty of callbacks that reference things um i think there's something there for everyone i just think it comes in a little lacking um when it comes to hitting the emotional highs that star wars tends to try for Mm -hmm. um i don't think it hits those because of some choices to implement some weird pop culture like humor okay um that has no place in the star wars universe Um, i agree also they make some references that um oh what was it One of the characters says something that it's a phrase we use um, all the time, but it's from like a, one of our like, like a rap musician coined it, and so the conceit is that oh, this rap musician now has to exist in the Star Wars universe if they said <laughs> this thing. Wait, so it's not a spoiler to say what the actual thing was because I, I don't remember know what, what you're it talking is. about. I can't remember what it is. Interesting. We'll have to figure that out because I don't know what you're referencing, but now I'm very curious. Yeah, I remember the conversation happening on a podcast I was listening to about um, how because they say this one thing, like it means that rapper. It means exists. that rapper has to exist. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. That's absurd. Which is great. That's absurd. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like it's just some like some really weird like uh, Peter Pan Leia. Um, Right. That's maybe one of... That's a good description. I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in a Star Wars movie, uh, Jar Jar Binks included. I was just going to say, in, in a universe where Jar Jar Binks was a central character for one of these movies, I would have to agree that that at least contends, that moment contends with Jar Jar in terms of dumbest Star Wars thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people are mad about the Porgs. I don't mind the Porgs. Porks are fine. Yeah, they weren't they weren't offensive. They were just unnecessary. Um, I will say that at the Christmas party this past weekend, we had teams, and my team mm-hmm. was Porgalicious. Okay. Uh, definition: make Chewy go loco. Uh, <laughs> All right, <laughs> that, that was our flag, and I drew a porg okay. holding a lollipop. Uh, <laughs> so it's pretty good. Um, yeah, I think that was Kara's idea. Um, 
So you, I'm trying to remember back because we talked about Force Awakens. You liked The Force Awakens more than I did, yeah. if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. So where does The Last Jedi sit compared to Force Awakens for you? So I haven't seen Force Awakens since it came out. Okay. I would have to watch it again, but mm-hmm. I believe... Hmm. I think I, I like them for different things. I think I, I think I like Force Awakens because it feels familiar and it feels comfortable. And I think I like this one because it throws a lot of things out of the window in kind of a bold but maybe dismissive way. That's kind of my issue. And because I haven't and, decided if I like that or don't like that. Yeah. So I have my reviews on SheaHitsEverything.com, so you should check that out. It's a nice 2,000-word 2000, 2000 <laughs> monster of a review. I had a lot of thoughts. Um, so obviously, I mean, I'll, I'll clarify up front. I was very disappointed in this movie. Uh, obviously, as you guys have learned from listening to however many episodes of this podcast, I'm a pretty harsh critic. I have high standards, so take that for what you will. If you're a much more enjoyable kind of moviegoer, maybe you won't have the same problems I had, but with Star Wars being my favorite thing with a period at the end, I found this to not at all be different than other Star Wars movies. So I've seen a lot of people online complaining about the criticism and saying, oh, all you Star Wars nerds are just mad that this movie was too different. You hated The Force Awakens because it was more of the same, and then you hated The Last Jedi because it was too different. So I was very disappointed in The Force Awakens when it came out, purely from a story perspective. I loved the new characters. I thought the action was amazing. It felt like Star Wars, but purely from a narrative perspective that it was another Death Star, I found to be so incredibly boring and a missed opportunity. I've watched that movie many more times since then, and I've come around to it a little bit more. I still have that same feeling, but I, I like we watched it the day, the day when we went and saw Last Jedi, we watched Force Awakens, and I had a great time watching it. I feel similarly about The Last Jedi. I don't see how it is so such a big departure from Star Wars. Like, the main... Yes, the story isn't a Death Star. Sure. <laughs> but that's, like, the biggest difference in this movie. I don't, And I won't go into the details. Once you guys have seen the movie, go read my review. I, I break a lot of that stuff down because I don't want to spoil it for anybody else that hasn't seen it yet. But I don't know. That, that to me annoyed me that people were dismissing valid criticism by saying, oh, you guys are just mad because it's different. Because one, that isn't why I'm mad. And two, it isn't even that different. No. To me, the story just wasn't particularly interesting. It didn't feel like something that justified a two and a half hour movie. I also felt that it being two and a half hours with the story that it had, I felt it was too long. I was ready for it to end. And then the entire third act still needed to happen. A lot of the narrative literally just didn't make sense. The entire B-plot only existed because a particular character decided not to share information. Right. Which, like, is one of the worst film writing tropes of all time. Right. Like, this thing happens only because this character didn't tell people what was supposed to happen. And the reason they didn't tell people doesn't exist. They just didn't tell people. (laughs) And that's so... I hate that stuff so much. Yeah, that Um, that was not great. Um, I would Like, the thing that frustrated me the most with it is that The Force Awakens sets up some stuff that Mm -hmm. while not brand new to star wars is at least it's it's canon like it's stuff that we want answers to and the last jedi 
either throws that stuff out the window or dismisses it and says, nah, that's stupid. I'm doing my own thing. So, yeah. And it's, 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 it's because they were directed by two different people. Yes. And that should they should I don't know who the fuck chose. Hey, we're going to we're going to have one person direct 6 or we're going to have one person direct 7, another person direct 8 and then that first person go back to direct 9. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, and and I don't have a problem with even if it would have been three directors, I don't have an issue with that as long as there's visual and stylistic consistency, which there is. The issue I have is that they empowered those directors to go back and rewrite the story. Right, which like, like that story should have been concocted in the very beginning. You have this yeah. trilogy, you have all the plot points. It's the minutia that can change from right. beat to beat from movie to movie. Right. That isn't what happened with this. So yes, in episode 7 they set up these several mysteries where in episode 8 you get answers to those or not, but like they're done. Those those mysteries are done now, and it like uh, it's frustrating not being able to go into detail. Right. Read my review, <laughs> but like my thing is the answers that we got aren't the problem, but it is what you're saying. It's that dismissiveness. Yeah, the way the answers are given, it feels like it's Ryan Johnson saying, "I don't give a shit about this," so I'm throwing it out. Right. Yeah. That's it, what it, yeah, it felt. It feels like, like Ryan, and that Ryan Johnson was like. Here's the answer, whatever, like, get over it. Right, yes. Stop complaining, yeah. here you go. And that pisses me off. That feels disrespectful, not only to the previous film, but to the hardcore fans. Yeah. And casual well, fans yeah, that wanted like those answers, too. audiences, yeah. Everyone. But again, like, people are like, oh, all you haters are just mad that you didn't, that your theories didn't come true. And I'm I like, don't fucking no, dude. That. that is not my problem with the movie. And and to be honest with you, the answers that we got, like in one one in particular, yeah, I prefer the answer that, that we to got. Something that yes, any theory that's what, out there. I prefer yes, that. that I, I'm glad the way that that turned out. Yes. But it's the means of delivering that information that was dismissive. And that is really frustrating. Right. So, this will be a lot more fun of a conversation if and when we get to do a spoiler podcast. So <laughs> yes. We need to talk about that because it sounds like we certainly could do one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, we both saw Star Wars. There are things to like about it. Sure. I really enjoyed all of the Luke and Ray stuff. Yeah. There were a lot of people complaining that they felt like Luke didn't feel like Luke. There's one particular moment of backstory that we get of information that I felt did really go against his character. Yeah. But at least in the modern, like the the story of the movie, I just really liked their interactions and Luke's Luke's kind of smarminess, his stubbornness, <laughs> yes. yeah. all of that. Like that's his character. Right. That's how he was in the early films. That that definitely did not change. So. A lot of that stuff was – I mean, there's some great action sequences as well. There's one awesome lightsaber fight towards the end of the movie that was really, really good. Uh, yes. So, yeah. Yeah. There's stuff to like, but I just can't help feeling honestly profoundly disappointed and kind of frustrated with this movie from several different perspectives. But it's Star Wars. Because it's the thing I love, obviously I'm going to hold it to a higher standard than other things. So, it is what it is. Yeah, and like, yeah, as frustrating as these things can be, like with Force Awakens and now the Last Jedi, I'm sure Episode Nine will be a really strong entry. Like, this is going to be a really fun trilogy to watch. Like, yeah, it, maybe, it will, maybe. I think it'll be a good time to watch. Time heals all wounds, yes. as they say. <laughs> so I hope you are right. Some people, I do will say. say I will say that after the Force Awakens, after Rogue One, and now after the Last Jedi. My excitement for episode nine is the lowest that it could possibly be. Not that I think it's going to be a terrible movie, but Disney has now had three opportunities to make a Star Wars film, and I found all of them to have 
giant glaring flaws that ruined a lot of the story for me. Which, to be um, fair, Lucasfilm had six chances to make great Star Wars movies and only hit on half of them. Hey, that's still a better percentage. Fifty percent is better than zero. <laughs> I am not. I am not suggesting that George Lucas should come back to make Star Wars. I am not suggesting that. I'm merely saying that coming into Episode Eight, I was riding on just as big of a high in excitement as I was before Episode Seven and as I was before Rogue One. And now, after being disappointed three times in a row, profoundly disappointed three times in a row. I can't say that I have a ton of confidence in episode nine delivering what I want from a Star Wars movie, which sucks, especially to like voice that out loud. I feel like a little part of me is is dying, (laughs) but it is what it is. I'm like, they're not the prequels. They've got that going for them. They're not the prequels. Right. I almost want to have an episode where we talk about what should have happened. For these Star Wars movies. Because I got lots of ideas. Like the Yuzhen Vong War. And the Chiss Empire Remnant oh, War. God, would have Chiss. made such amazing movies. Ugh. But Disney decided to kill the books. Yep. So this is the world we live in now. But hey. Finn Finn is a great character. Yeah. Ray's a great character. Poe's a great character. Great host of A lot characters. of awesome fun characters. So it is what it is. Yeah. Rose. Uh, <laughs> but the rest of them are great. <laughs> so, uh, what else have you been, I guess, uh, watching and reading on your Christmas break? Um, I read the first trade of Orchid that I got from Mom. I got the three trades of that comic. Mm-hmm. Read the first trade. Um, so it, it moves too quickly. Like that's hmm. that's a problem with a lot of comics is sometimes the pacing is very fast. Like they don't take enough panels to tell what they're trying to tell. Um, and that feels the case with this one. Right. Um, so it's, it's moving very quickly, but I, th- I'm hoping that was just the setup. Um, like it wanted to establish this universe very quickly. Um, so I'm hoping the second trade kind of takes its time a little more and allows for some character development. Cause the first trade did not, um, yeah, and also had like some time jumps in it, uh, which was like, meh, whatever. Um, it's okay, it's okay so far. Uh, I'm interested to see. There are a couple mysteries that it has set up that I'm interested to see more about, and the world they've crafted is interesting too. So, yeah, that's good. I feel like, especially in comics, that's one of the more important things is like establishing an interesting world up front, right? Because there's so many directions and story to go, you really need that strong world, right? Um, I have read almost a thousand pages of my like 1300 page Brandon Sanderson book. <laughs> awesome. Um, because the last few days of work, we were, our kids weren't, I work special needs. Our special needs kids were not there. They already taken their exams. Uh, cause we help administer exams to kids on AEPs, um, that are like higher functioning. Um, they, they go out to their normal classes. They go to the learning lab for like help as like tutoring, um, they have some classes specifically in there if, like, mm-hmm. they're at a level below what the typical classes are. Um, so we help administer their exams because a lot of them, their IEPs dictate that someone reads the exam to them and helps phrase questions and do inflection on questions that um, helps, A, helps keep them on track, and B, helps them understand what the question is actually asking so they can answer it properly. Um, so that's what we do, like, the last four days. So sometimes I had to read to a kid. Sometimes I didn't. When I didn't, I would just read my book, and I'd get in, like, a solid couple hundred pages a day. Um, 
So that was really good. So that's how I managed to get a thousand pages already. Um, that's what I've read because I've been playing a lot of games. In terms of what I've been sure. watching, I've finished season three of Blacklist. I just started season four last night. Watched the first episode. Cool. Um, three was interesting. They backpedaled on something I was kind of hoping they wouldn't just because it was a bold move. Mm. Um, Network television show. I know. I I, I figured they <laughs> would, but I like it was going like so this thing happened midway through season two, um, or midway through season three, and I was like, oh, oh, yeah. awesome! Like, I, I mean, I'm not like excited about it, but like, cool for them for taking the sure. chance. And then, I, and then in my head, I was like, I they're gonna find a way to backpedal. But then it was like four episodes went on, and this thing had like, still not like backpedal. I was like, oh, really? And then, like, <laughs> of course, like the last episode, it's like, oh, but really? I was like, that's too bad. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I'm still enjoying it. Um, Kara and I watched BoJack Horseman seasons two and three. That mm. show is super depressing. Um, oh, really? Oh, my God. That I mean, it's like a dark comedy, right? Yeah, but like dark in the most. It's more dark in the exist in the most existentially Yikes. depressing, like. Yeah. What is life and why does anything matter <laughs> kind of way? Um, and like, why do we always fuck up relationships with each other? Wow. And yeah, it's really dark. They're, like, it will have you laughing, but painfully. Sure. Um, is it good? I mean, you guys watched the season, so I'm yeah, assuming it's it, good. It's really yeah. well written. And like, those, cool. the, the moments that it goes for, it always hits, uh, mm. they, they always land. Um, yeah, that's always it's always been one of those shows where like I want to check it out, but it's just it can never climb up my list of like need to watch shows. Sure, but now I'm kind of interested. It's very knowing it's very that good. it's super depressing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched. Okay, so I watched all of season one of of the Magicians. What's the Magicians? <sighs> it's this like, um, oh, what what is the What's the network that uh, CW? It's like okay. a CW show. Actually, maybe it is a CW show. Um, I need to look this up. Uh, magicians. Uh, oh, it's on Sci-Fi. Okay, but mm. it's like a CW show in that everyone's super attractive. Of course. Um, and it's like very. I'm not gonna say it's written well because it's not. Um, and the effects aren't. The effects are okay. The effects are okay, but like the mag, yeah, the sci-fi. magic world that they've built is interesting. Um, okay. Like the system of magic is kind of cool, and there's like always something big going on, and so it mm-hmm. keeps you drawn in. And the characters grow on you after a while. I think all of them are abrasive in their own way. Like mm. I don't like any of them, but they grow That's on you. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because like they're all very flawed, but in yeah. kind of caricature ways. Sure. Um, but so I watched all of season two because that just got put on Netflix and it was fine. I had a good time with it. Um, and then, oh, Kara and I also finished uh, Punisher, which I yeah which I, I watched I uh, since we last talked. I watched the whole first season as well. Uh, how, how did you how do you feel about it? I w- you've watched all the Marvel. I, sh- no, you have not watched all the all the Marvel shows, have you? Yeah, I have. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you hadn't seen one of them, but okay, mm-hmm. cool. So, yeah, so where do you think it kind of stands? I was, like, standing and cheering at the end during that last Dude, episode. the final couple episodes, holy, holy shit. fuck. It was yes, so good. that show, 
That show is brutal. Yes. To, to be honest, I wasn't that into it in the first half of the season. Me neither. It just felt like it just wasn't grabbing right. me. There was some action-y stuff that I thought was really cool uh, and just completely intense and over the top in a good way. Yeah. But the story of it, like the whole like, oh, my family's dead. I'm just like, dude, get the fuck over it already. Right. Like, I don't give a shit about this anymore, which I know sounds incredibly terrible, but hey, it's a TV show. Not your family. <laughs> yeah, but it just that like that wasn't grabbing me anymore because right. it kind of made his character just a mopey bastard. Right. But it really picks up in the second half. Yes. And so many of the action sequences, I was like, oh, I know. like my mind was exploding yeah. the entire time. Oh, man. So I still think I prefer Daredevil just because I think the story in that show is better. Okay. Um, and there was some stuff about like I really didn't like the uh, the whatever FBI agent chick. I didn't like her was either. Was it FBI? Homeland, Homeland Security. Security yeah. I, yeah, I just didn't like... I just didn't, I did, didn't think the actor was all that great. No. Um, but I loved the sidekick guy. The I don't know his... I don't remember he his was name. Okay. I, Lieberman. Oh, I, just, oh, I really him. liked him. I thought you meant her sidekick guy. He was a little... Oh, wrong. no. That, who cares about that yeah. guy? But yeah, Lieber, <laughs> Lieberman I really, really liked. Yeah, he did a nice um, job. There's, there's a twist in there, and we won't go into spoilers, but there's a twist in there of like someone betrays someone else. And, like, that I found to be incredibly hackneyed. Like, it didn't feel justified why it happened or that it happened in the first place. It just, like, it was dramatic. It felt like they chose to do that because it was dramatic. I still don't know, like, I still don't really know why that guy chose to do that. Basically money. And because he's selfish. Yeah, but it's, like, it's so lazy. No, it is. It is. It was terrible. And, like, that character I really liked up until that point. Yeah, uh, and that yeah, actor, that actor I liked too. But yeah, that that I, it was one of those where like when it happened, I was like, oh come the fuck on. But you know, you just have to accept it and move on. And from there, like it was fine. You know, yeah, the yeah. the way the story played out with through that was fine. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I was I was pretty happy with the show all told, especially considering at the beginning I was like, oh no, the only Marvel show that I've loved has been Daredevil, and I've really not, I've actively kind of not liked the other three. Please don't let this one also be disappointing, yeah. but it really picks up in the second half. I will say the one like side plot thing I did not care about is like um the okay, I need to be careful. Um the, I'll just say there was a side plot that I didn't give two shits about because the person it centered itself around was not yes! interesting. No, what, I just forgot bad. about it that. You're talking about the the soldier, yes, right? Yeah, I like in it makes it had nothing to do with the story. I was waiting, like honestly, I was waiting for them to build this character into a villain for season two. Me too, and it just never came together because it, when it was happening in the first episodes, and that's part of you're right. That's part of why I wasn't engaged because what was I was like this character has literally nothing to do with anything and happening in the sucks. show. And he was terrible. And he was terrible. And the way that that storyline wrapped up, it still had nothing to do with anything right. else. It was like, we need to have a B story here. We need to fill out these couple extra minutes every episode. Right. Yeah, that was bad. I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah. Oof. It also it felt like it was trying to make a statement with the B story about yes. how we treat certain people. 
Yes, and that's fine. Like, that as a concept, because the show deals a lot with, like, soldiers and PTSD and how we look at gun violence in the United States. Like, all of that was, like, really well handled. They maybe don't, like, go for it 100%, but it's still – the fact that it's on a television show, we're talking about it, that's important. Yeah. And just, like, violence over, like, how to solve problems with violence, like, that kind of thing. I thought all of that was handled well. His thing was over the top. Yes. Yes, it was. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I think that finally wraps up my (laughs) what you're playing, what you're watching, what you're reading. How about you? So I I actually have more than you did in this, nice. which is maybe why I haven't played as many games because I've been watching so much shit. Okay. So since we just talked about TV, obviously Punisher was good. We also finished Mindhunter nice. uh, just like a couple days ago. Same feelings that I had last time we talked about it early on of I think the concept is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. I love the interviews that they have with the serial killers. Yeah, I the think the parts. main actor is incredibly boring. Me too. I think that his girlfriend is also terrible. And so anything happening with it, when the two of them are on screen, it is like a black hole yeah. of no emotion. Um, I don't know. this The way that the season ended felt like it was episode 10 in a 12 episode season like it wasn't it wasn't really a cliffhanger it also wasn't a resolution and the whole way they're setting up this new serial killer so you get a lot of cold opens of this new serial killer and none nothing happens with that so i guess season two is going to be about it presumably yeah but just like it's just i don't know it felt like there was some missing pieces maybe I did like how the actual last scene of the finale played out. I thought it was really powerful. Yeah. It was really tense as well. Right. Um, it was. And kind of how, how it affected the main character going into season two was really interesting. Because kind of like, to, to give it a high-level view of it, our main character, he is discovering and his peers are discovering that he kind of identifies more with these serial killers than he does other human beings. And, like, he's not only fascinated by them from an intellectual academic perspective because it's his job, but also from, like, an emotional perspective, personality-wise, the way they think about things, he's connecting with them on a deeper level than is maybe appropriate for his job. Right. So he's kind of struggling with that. I'll say the show maybe doesn't do a great job of surfacing that as much as they should. It's a lot of, like implied subtext which yeah. obviously the actor the actor doesn't do a good job expressing <laughs> yeah it's more just like me understanding characters understanding television i i know that's what they're yeah. going so for may- I just maybe don't the think problem execute isn't it. the writing it's the execution of the writing that's fair that's fair but the way that that kind of has a climax right at the end of the finale i thought was really well done yeah and honestly well acted surprisingly yeah, i thought um, that was the strongest scene yes so i i Liked the show more having finished it than I did last time we talked. Um, but still, obviously, it's like, man, Kelly and I were talking about it. And they're like, you know what? If they recast this guy for season two, we'd have no issues with that. Because <laughs> normally, like, when they recast a character and, like, they don't explain anything, yeah. like, it's annoying. But she was like, in this case, they could recast this dude, never say a single word about it, and I would love that. (laughs) (laughs) So it's too bad, too, because, like, the dude, he's a Tony Award winning actor. Right. It's it's crazy. Yeah, he's just not doing a lot with it. Stage acting and film acting are very different, apparently. Yes. He dialed back his acting too much. Everything's too small. He He isn't making choices. There's no expressiveness in his face. It's not good. Maybe season two uh, will be better. I'm, sh- I'm sure this was a very big learning experience for him. So maybe 
he's acted in other films before. <laughs> it's like this is the first time he's ever been on camera. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, whatever. What are you going to do? Yeah. But uh, we, since finishing Mindhunter and then since me finishing Punisher, we've been looking for other shows to watch. And, uh, like, we're still watching, you know, we watched Top Chef. Season 2 of Ultimate Beastmaster came out, so we've been watching that on Friday nights, that kind of thing. But we needed a new show. And so we watched the first episode of Glow, the Netflix original about, like, the 80s women's wrestling. I hated it. It sucks. I wanted to love it. Yeah. Kara was just telling me, like, last night, I think, oh, yeah, Glow. Like, I want to watch that. I was like, you can watch that by yourself. (laughs) I I loved the concept. It just seemed like a really fun concept. And I like Allison Brie. I mean, I liked her in Community. The I didn't watch all of uh, Mad Men because I kind of got bored. But she was good in that that I saw. But her character is so unlikable in this show. Oh. Like, because she, she plays an actor who gets hired to do this, like, women's wrestling league. And she's so pretentious about act like she's everything i hate about actors Mm. she looks down on everyone that doesn't have her acting degree like she thinks that everyone else is terrible and doesn't develop their characters the way she just the way that she expresses herself is so annoying and pretentious plus they establish early on that she did something incredibly fucked up that like she really doesn't even feel that bad about. And so I'm just like, I hate this character (laughs) and I'm supposed to be rooting for her because like, it's a bunch of women that want this acting gig. And so they're working for this chauvinistic dude who is running the glow, um, wrestling TV show people. And so you're supposed to be rooting for the girls against the chauvinist dude. And I'm just not because I hate this character that Allison <laughs> Brie plays. And at least the guy, like, yes, he's a complete asshole, but he's funny. Like Alice, she, her character isn't funny. She's annoying. She's like just pretentious and a bad person. And so Kelly, we were just like, nah, pass, which bummed me out because I heard good things about the show and I was excited to watch it, but didn't care for it. Um, yeah, maybe they backpedal also, on some of that stuff a bit. That's possible, but it's again, it's one of those where like there are so many shows out there. If you're not grabbing me from the get go, you lost your opportunity. Sorry, bro. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, it's not my fault. Right. Write a better character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also watched the pilot for The Good Place, which is an NBC sitcom executive produced by Michael Schur, who was an EP on The Office and then co-created Parks and Rec. So, fairly strong track record. He's a brilliant writer. Uh, he also played Moe's on The Office, for folks that don't know. And uh, so, this is his new show, starring Kristen Bell, who I love and my wife loves, as well as Ted Danson, who I really like. Uh, he was in, um, fuck, what was the name of that HBO show with Zach Galifianakis and Jason Schwartzman. It was amazing. Jason Schwartzman plays like a detective. Anyway, it's a really good show, and he was in it, and he was really good. So, I like the cast. We watched the pilot. It was actually recommended from a buddy of mine that I work on Dreamwriters with, just as like a, hey, this show, it's not the same as Dreamwriters, but the way that they build the concept in the pilot, because it's very hot, what's called a high concept comedy, because I mean, it's basically, it takes place in some version of heaven, is the, the concept of the show. Oh, so Kristen okay. Bell, she dies, ends up in heaven, and the way that heaven is structured, it's like, point zero 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 one percent of people go to heaven the good place and there was a mistake she wasn't supposed to go but she had the same name as the person who was so she ends up there and that's kind of the concept okay which like that's it's a fun concept and kristen bell's good at like the awkward whatever humor but the way they established the world felt very 
similar to our Dreamwriters pilot that we shot. Interesting. And I don't mean that as a compliment, unfortunately, because oh. <laughs> when when we made our pilot, we had never made a television show before. There just wasn't really a ton of story in our pilot. We focused more on world building than we did on like the characters and the narrative. And that's what this feels like. Interesting. So like they introduce an android woman who knows everything. They introduce the fact that there's a screen where Kristen Bell can go and watch all of her memories in first person. They establish that Ted Danson kind of runs this area of the good place and it's his first time ever designing this place and so there's a bunch of haywire things that happen and he maybe didn't do such a good job. Like they establish all these things that like for me as a person who's written television, I go, okay, they're setting that up for future episodes. They're setting that up for future comedy bits or setting this up but the actual story isn't very well executed mm. and the actual dialogue establishing this world also isn't well executed it feels like a bunch of disparate funny bits or like funny potentially things that they could use for story but not an actual story in the pilot it's i don't know it's a weird it's like a it's not a television pilot. It's like a style pilot. We're like, this is our concept for the show right. that they would use this to pitch to networks, not actually it would air on television. So I was a bit disappointed in that. We also just didn't find it to be all that funny, to be honest. And uh, there are a couple side characters that I thought were pretty terrible. And so probably won't continue to watch it, which bums me out because I was excited for right. it. Uh, but academically, it was interesting to look at it and say, oh, this show made it to air. Our pilot's basically the same thing. There's no story. We're just building all these funny little cool things. And we thought it was terrible. And this here's the show made by one of the best EP creators in the business right now that's kind of the same. So what are you going <laughs> to well, do? there you go. Yeah. So uh, we also been watching a lot of movies. So we went and saw Murder on the Orient Express. I need to see that. Which I was really excited for it. I'll say I enjoyed... 99% of the movie, it's a murder mystery, obviously, and uh, the resolution, when it came down to revealing the killer, I was like, there is one answer that I think will be incredibly stupid, as long as it isn't that answer, I'm good. And then they revealed the killer, and it was an answer I hadn't thought about. Which was even more stupid than the thing I thought would be the stupidest thing. <laughs> so, your mileage may vary on that. Okay. I found it to be incredibly corny. But it, the way it's it also worked out. it's also a remake of an old movie, right? It is. Okay. Yes. Well, and it's an Agatha Christie book. Okay. Originally, but I haven't read it. I didn't see the original, so I don't know if it's the same or not. The way that it that it happens. Okay. But um, you know, someone else may like the way it ties in. I think it. Doesn't honestly, I don't. I don't think the end, the way the ending works, I don't think it makes sense, com- considering the th- events of the movie. But um, most of it, I enjoyed. Kenneth Branagh is so weird and amazing <laughs> as the whatever detective guy. Uh, he's just really good. I love him. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I was a little underwhelmed by that movie just because of the way that it wrapped up. But it was a fun ride. We watched Atomic Blonde, which Kelly was really excited to watch. Sharice Theron, yeah. uh, kind of a spy movie. Right. Very James Bond, over-the-top action-y. It was uh, terrible. Hey, to each their own, Sharice um, She has one of the worst British accents I've ever heard I believe in this it. movie. 
It's actually funny because she was in Arrested Development where she played, I think it was a British character, and her accent was super bad. But in the show, there's a there's the question of like, is she is her character mentally handicapped? And it's kind of like an ongoing bit that they're trying to figure out, like, is she maybe a little mentally challenged? And so that kind of makes sense that like, and then you never really get an answer to that. And so like, maybe it would make sense that she has this bad British accent that she isn't even British. She's just putting it on because she's having mental issues. But turns out, no, Charlize Theron just can't do a British accent because her character isn't mentally handicapped in this movie. She just has a bad British accent. Uh, if but the you story, want, on. if you want a really bad British accent, <laughs> watch Outcast with Nicolas Cage and Hayden Christensen. Yeah, Hayden Christensen's. I well, you know what? I'm not even sure if it's supposed to be British or not. I don't know what it's supposed to be, <laughs> but holy that's even better. Shit. A mystery accent. Yeah. Go watch it. You you decide. Write write wow. us what you think his accent, what region it's supposed <laughs> to be from. Where where are they from? Yeah. What country? Sorry, keep going. Uh, but but even beyond that, it just her character is completely boring. Like she's one of those like blase cool spies yeah. who has no personality because every line every line's just delivered like this yeah and that's just not a compelling main character in a movie sure isn't uh the story is also dumb and really hard to follow uh there are some really fun action sequences there's a bit in the middle that it's meant to be shot like a long one there were a couple obvious cuts to my eye but it's meant to look like one long shot sure. of like a 10 minute action sequence okay. which was incredible it was so cool okay and obviously Sharice Lerone did all her own stunts in that yeah. so that was really cool but just i mean just not not a good movie really we were really bummed out cuz that was one of those like it looked fucking awesome. The style of it's great because it's it, it takes place in the eighties as the the uh, Berlin Wall is coming down. Okay. So it's got all that like neon punk rock vibe, which right. I really enjoy. A lot of like graphics and the way they tell the story. They use a lot of like spray paint across the screen, the location, like that kind of stuff. The style is good, sure. but the actual movie itself passed. That's a bummer. Uh, we watched Hitman's Bodyguard. When Dad was in town, the uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Ryan Reynolds buddy right. comedy action movie, right. which was good. It, was, it wasn't amazing, and just because of the concept and those two actors playing off each other, I guess I would say I was a little disappointed because it wasn't fantastic. But there were a lot of funny moments, some good action sequences. It's a very easy, like if you're bored, kind of movie to watch yeah. and get some good laughs out of. So I guess I would recommend it for people that like that kind of thing. I watched Bright the other day, the Will which Smith. is a Netflix original. Yeah, Will Smith, yeah. Uh, directed by David Ayers, who directed him in Suicide Squad. Uh, and Joel Edgerton plays the orc character, Jacoby. So it, the, the the world of this movie is really cool. So it's it's like, I guess, modern day or like slightly in the future. But it's in a world where fairy tales exist. Kind of. So like orcs. Elves, fairies, uh, centaurs, centaurs, whatever. Like, they all exist in the world. And a couple thousand years ago, there was a war between, like, the orcs and everyone else. And everyone else won. And so, like, orcs have integrated into society, but everybody still kind of hates them. And the movie, like, it's a very obvious theme of, like, racism yeah. kind of a thing. Which, like, that's all handled very well. Um the actual movie itself, it's it's just fairly forgettable. There's just nothing particularly special about it. The story's not that interesting. 
uh, I liked Will Smith and Joel Edgerton, like kind of their banter back and forth. Some of it maybe was pushing for comedy a little too much, but Joel Edgerton I thought was really good as the orc who's like, he's the first orc cop and he's dealing, cause like in the orc culture, their blood or like their clan law is the most important thing. So an orc could never punish another orc for committing a crime because they care more about the other orc than they do the law, okay. like that kind of thing. So the fact that this orc is a cop is like a big issue for all the cultures. And that I think is like really cool, a really interesting concept. Yeah. Um, and I thought all of that was written well, acted well on his part, dealing with that kind of like living in two worlds kind of thing. Um, but just as a movie, it just fell flat a little bit. Uh I don't know. It's one of those, like, it's a 7 out of 10 kind of a movie. Sure. So, I did read this morning that they've re-upped for a second Bright movie, and that yes. marks the first. So Bright will be the first streaming-only movie franchise. So a, a movie franchise yeah. that is on a streaming-specific platform. That's um, cool. Yeah, so that's that's kind of neat. Because Bright, it didn't go in theaters, obviously, because it's a Netflix original. Right. So I guess this this marks like Bright will put if it comes out first, obviously, but it's been the first announced right. movie franchise for a streaming platform, which is interesting. Um, and I would say like I will watch the sequel because okay. I like the characters, I liked the world. Nice. It was just the actual story of the movie itself just didn't really grab me. I thought it was pretty poorly directed as well, unfortunately for David Ayers, so, especially wow. the action. I thought was really poorly directed. Yeah, it, I mean, Suicide it's not Squad. it's not surprising. <laughs> it's not surprising. It's just unfortunate. But it is what it is. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, and then finally, we were bored one night and looking for stuff to watch, and we watched the Jim and Andy documentary about uh, when Jim Carrey played Andy Kaufman on the Man in the Man on the Moon film, which I don't know if you've seen. That. I have not. So it's old. I mean, it's from the nineties. Okay, maybe er- no, I don't think that's right. Maybe early two thousands. But anyway, so Andy Kaufman was. Uh, Comedian in the 70s, I believe, primarily. And he was just like a weird fucking guy. Like really off the wall, avant-garde style comedy. And so they made a movie, a biopic about him. Jim Carrey played the character. And it was uh, the documentary is a behind-the-scenes, never-before-released footage of them making the movie. Because Jim Carrey was in character as Andy Kaufman the entire shooting process. Oh, my God. So it was fucking fascinating. And they did because I obviously I didn't grow up watching Andy Kaufman. I saw Man on the Moon, but I didn't have a ton of context for it. So the actual like correlation to Andy Kaufman was missed for me. But just from an acting perspective and a huge Jim Carrey fan right. perspective, it was a really fascinating documentary because they also did some. Uh, like a one-on-one interview with Jim Carrey now where he's talking a little bit about that process and just, man, what a sad guy. Like I feel bad for him because he just talks about his approach to acting and the way like that it was an escape from real life where like he got to live as these other people because he didn't like living as himself kind of thing. Like that's so depressing and really makes me look at his work in a much different lens, especially totally. something like the Truman show. Yeah. Cause like his whole thing, like he's known as this wacky, funny caricature of a human being where he always has to be on. Even when he's being, he's not playing a character even, or he's not on set. He's just himself in life. People expect him to be the class clown and like all the wacky f- and like, 
he's an incredibly intelligent, eloquent person that has this deeper whatever like personality that he covers up with that wackiness. Oh, it's fucking crazy. Well, yeah, everything if, I've like, seen about Jim Carrey from his public appearances, like mm-hmm. he's always seemed very subdued to me. Like yes. very quiet yes. and like more introspective. Like I've always gotten that sense from him from his public appearances. Um, yeah. but I guess I just never really thought that hard about it. And I mean, especially in recent years, he has become a bit of a whack job to be <laughs> negative about it. But uh, I don't know, man. It's just like I like Jim Carrey's the reason I wanted to be an actor. He is the guy. Like I grew up loving all of his movies, wanting to do that, and especially when he kind of made that transition to doing more serious roles. That's what I wanted. I wanted to split that line and do both because so few actors can successfully live in both worlds simultaneously and succeed at it. That's what I wanted to do. And he was so good at that, which like considering his background in stand up and like those wacky characters he played early in his career to be able to make that transition and have people take him seriously in a role like eternal, eternal sunshine. That's incredible from an actor's perspective. And so like to look at him in this film and the way he talks about his history and acting and a little bit about his characters and his approach and just like him as a human being was really, really enlightening. And like, I want to go back and watch a lot of his earlier work with this knowledge now. And I don't know. It just makes me sad for him because it's, he clearly deals with a lot of depression and I feel like a lot of those really funny actors, that's how it is. Right. Like you look at someone like Robin Williams, like he dealt with depression his whole life because he's known as this always got a smile, always telling a joke, always being crazy. And he's not allowed to be serious kind of a thing. And that's just, it's just sad. So really, really awesome documentary, like well put together too. Um, it has a nice like arc to it. So Highly, highly recommend that, especially for people that have a bit more Andy Kaufman context than I had. Kelly, like, she didn't really get a ton out of it, um, but I really, really enjoyed it. I I think about that episode of South Park a lot um, of where – who is it that they they sacrifice to, like, the god of agriculture and growth or whatever for their crops every – like a couple of years, they they, oh, sac- sure. they build up a celebrity and then sacrifice yeah. them. Like, yeah. obviously, it's an absurd premise, and like, it's the episode's hilarious. But like, on a deeper level, about how like public perception, like the perception of the masses of who you are, putting the pressure on you to be that person, can like really ruin your life and like affect how you view yourself. Um, has always kind of stuck with me. This is a whole deeper conversation, but like we, we as people, we don't like celebrities. We tell ourselves we do because we follow all their personal stories and we go see their movies and there are exceptions, obviously, but in general, as people, we don't like celebrities. Think about the big news stories when they're related to a celebrity. Is it about them having a kid or is it about them getting a divorce? We want the fall. Because we look at these people who are rich and famous and successful and more beautiful than us, living lives that we can only imagine. We want them to fail. That's how we are wired as humans. We don't want others to succeed unless we can also succeed. Right. And I think that that's really what that is. Like that's what that South Park episode is. Because it was Britney Spears is what okay, it was. Yeah. And it was the whole thing of like 
She was at the top and everyone lined up and watched with glee as she fell off the deep end. And the same thing happened with Miley Cyrus and, you know, on a smaller scale, like a lot of these other celebrities, especially like the young teen women celebrities, because they're looked at as like these like sex icons that have it all and then they lose it. And that's what we like. We like it when they lose the stuff that is so fucked up, but that's how we are as people. Yeah. And I think that being conscious of that is, is helps. Yeah. It's important. Um, but yeah, it's really fascinating to watch people talk about celebrities because we like to think that there's this bright, shiny veneer of like, oh, I love this actor and oh, he's doing all these crazy things that are amazing and he's so funny and charming, blah, blah, blah. But then if a story comes out where like, I don't know, he paid off a prostitute to not talk about him doing drugs one time, then that's it. Fucking scorched earth on that motherfucker. Right. We want that fall. We want them to fail. And that's fucked up. Yep. Sure is. So, yeah. Um, switching Ooh. gears, baby. <laughs> so, that's kind of everything Christmas. we've been... Uh, yeah, exactly. Everything we've been watching and playing and whatnot over the Christmas break, yeah. now that we're two hours on this <laughs> podcast. I was about to say. Let's dive into some news. All right. Uh, so, two big events that happened while we were on the break. The Game Awards and PlayStation Experience. So I guess we could talk about uh, Game Awards first. Um, honestly, it was there were more announcements in that than the PlayStation experience for well, sure. That's what Game Especially Awards like is big, becoming known for is like really yes. big announcements, uh, which I, I think is odd, like props to Jeff Keighley. Uh, he's done a, fa- a fabulous job, sure. kind of lining yeah. that stuff up over the last few years. Yeah, and I guess kind of before we dive into the like trailers and news that comes out of it just to kind of recap the show and like the major awards um Zelda won most of everything uh, <laughs> yeah. Zelda won game direction it won best action adventure game uh and then it also won um game of the year but uh some other kind of notable winners so best action game went to Wolfenstein 2 best RPG was Persona 5 Cuphead won Best Indie Game, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Obviously, I haven't played it. But it also won Best Art Direction, which fairly well deserved. I think we could all <laughs> yeah. agree. Um, I was surprised that it didn't win Best Music. Near Automata actually won Best Music. Which, going back to my discussion about Near Automata, that's something that has stood out to me. I like the music in it. I am very surprised that this music was not composed by the guy that did Final Fantasy thirteen Because these soundtracks, to me, are identical. Identical. Interesting. When I'm playing the game and listening to it, I feel like I'm playing Final Fantasy 13, and honestly, makes me want to go replay Final Fantasy 13, which I think to be a very underrated. Yeah. Final now Fantasy that you game. say that, I kind of want to go back to that. Well, I've played that game like four times through, and that's a long ass game. Wow. But I, it's good. I like it. Uh, but yeah, I, I I thought that was kind of an underdog win, if you yeah. will. Um, PUBG won best multiplayer. No huge surprise there. Uh, there weren't a ton of amazing multiplayer games this year. Like, you look at Call of Duty, Destiny 2. Like, a lot of the big hitters were maybe not as amazing. Sure. Um, and then as far as story goes, What Remains of Edith, Edith Finch beat out Nier, Hellblade, Wolfenstein, and Horizon Zero Dawn to win Best Narrative, which that's, that's to cool. me felt well-deserved. 
Um, I, I really enjoyed the story. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. It's really good. It'll make my top 10 this year. Uh, I will say that as a big fan of Horizon, I thought that game got short shrifted, a bit of an always the bridesmaid scenario. It was nominated for a lot of awards and didn't win any. Sure. Um, but uh, I guess just kind of um, the game of the year came down to it. The nominees were Mario Odyssey, Horizon Zero Dawn, Persona 5, uh, Players Unknown, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, and Zelda with Zelda taking it. Um, yeah, I guess those are kind of like the big hits. Oh, I guess just to talk about uh, most anticipated game, which is always like a weird award to me because uh, it's you're not talking about anything really like it's a game that isn't out but uh red dead 2 monster hunter world uh the sony spider-man game the new god of war and last of us part 2 were nominated last of us won no huge surprise (laughs) there right (laughs) and then um oh yeah here's one that i missed so they do best performance so they don't do like best actor best actress they just do best um performance in general Ashley Birch was nominated for Aloy in Horizon, which I thought was well-deserved. Yeah. Laura Bailey as Nadine in Uncharted 4, mm-hmm. as well as Claudia Black as Chloe in Uncharted 4, also very well-deserved nominations. Totally. Brian Bloom was nominated for BJ Blazkowicz in Wolfenstein 2, which I haven't played the game, but that seems very surprising it, 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 to me. It is strange. <laughs> I mean, there are, a few, like, there are a few moments in that game that are pretty heavy that I think are handled yeah, well. Okay. But like, he's sure. so... like gravelly protagonist right it was kind of strange to see him nominated and and maybe that maybe the 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 thinking was just that he executed it really well not that it was this like super deep character but he did a good job with the character he seems fair yeah he does a tremendous job like also all the like because as you go through the game he's like narrating like talking to himself and it's like Mm -hmm. this kind of an asmr like it feels like it's right in your ears because it's really loud deep bass kind of like in his head and so the like the sound editing on that's really good but like mm. those like little tidbits and stuff are always are always really really good like you, you okay. finish a fight and it's like fucking nazi scum like right in his head like <laughs> like it's what he's thinking sure. um yeah so cool. th- those are fun little moments but yeah i like it was a weird best performance nomination right uh, but the winner ended up going to Melina. I think it's Melina Jurgens. I think you pronounce her name as Senua from Senua Hellblades or Hellblade Senua Sacrifice. Right. Which again, haven't played the game, but I watched the quick look on Giant Bomb and trailers and hearing people talk about it. It sounds like her acting is the draw right. of that game. So um, can't blame them for that. But no, like huge surprises. As I said, talking about Zelda, I just personally don't feel that it's deserving of Game of the Year, but. I'm not surprised considering that it's winning basically everywhere else too. I know it won IGN's game of the year. Uh, we'll see where it comes down on Giant Bomb. It's not going to win. I obviously care a lot more about. I don't think it will win Giant It'll Bomb either. It'll be on the top 10. But it, I, yes. I bet, I bet I, it winds up in the higher half. Or like, sorry. Yeah, top five? No. Oh, from like Bottom, 6 to 10? Yeah, from 6 to 10. Interesting. Interesting. I bet it ends up there. Yeah. There, there are just too many games that I haven't played, and honestly, I haven't listened to that podcast consistently for the past several months just because my commute's 10 minutes. I don't have time. Um, so I haven't heard them talk about a lot of these other games as well, much. I just know how but, these talks go from past years. Yeah. Like, problems that they have with games are usually ferreted yeah. out and expanded upon and talked about. And so I think all of the problems that you talked about with Zelda, I think those right. are going to be a large part of the conversation about that game. And I think that's going to push it down into the lower uh, the or the six to 10 range. 
Sure. And I mean, to be clear, like it'll make my top 10 for sure. But I also didn't play as many games as the guys on Giant Bomb or IGN or the Game Awards did. Uh, so it's not like it's going to make my list by default. There are still a lot of things I love about it, like I said. But uh, I, I don't know where it'll end up yet. But I look at my list where I have right now, and there are several games that I liked more than what I've played of it so far, yeah. So for what it's worth. Um, but the bigger piece of the Game Awards, which seems weird, isn't the awards. It's the announcements and the trailers <laughs> right. and whatnot. So there were a lot of these. Not a ton of new stuff necessarily, but um, some new information about some existing stuff. So we got a huge gameplay. Well, no, not a gameplay demo. A huge trailer. In game like in-game footage uh in smear quotes <laughs> sure in yes. engine footage in engine <laughs> yes for death stranding yeah. the new kojima game um Whew. like i don't get it i just don't so i don't get it kojima did no and not not the trailer i mean i didn't get the trailer either because it's fucking bullshit but i just don't get i don't i don't get i don't get kojima I don't get why people look at him as like one of the greatest game creators of all time. I just look at the games that he's made, and there are a lot of cool systems that he puts in there. But he can't; he doesn't know how to edit himself, and no one else has the courage or wherewithal to edit him. I just think, like, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't think he's good. Period. I'm, I just I'm fascinated to see what unedited Kojima brings. This, yeah, well, this, I mean, this yes. eight, this eight minute monstrosity. That literally means fucking nothing. It has no gameplay. It doesn't tell you what the game is. It was eight minutes of bullshit. Well, okay, so the thing you're forgetting is, like, this, what they're showing is also not even, possibly not even in the final game. Like, because exactly. that's what Kojima... So why the Kojima, fuck am I watching yeah. it? Yeah, okay, that's fair, fair. But, like, the way Kojima handles pre-game, pre-release marketing is... It's littered with misdirection and small clues and hints. Like, he is, like, that's his big shtick. Like, leading up to every Metal Gear Solid game, like, the no place for Hideo, Metal Gear Solid 4 thing. Like, is he mm-hmm. going to be in the game? Because the whole Metal Gear Solid 2, like, that misdirection of, like, they showed uh, Solid Snake on the tanker. And so people thought that was the whole game, but it was in, like, the first couple right. hours. And then you play as Raiden, like, the rest of the game. Right. Like, people, like, their minds were blown by that. Like, they released cutscenes pre-release that had Solid Snake where Raiden is in those scenes. Like, complete mm-hmm. misdirection. So, like, I look at this stuff that he's releasing for Death Stranding, and I don't look at the big story beats and, like, the characters... I'm more looking for tone and theme and um, the little things, like the little backpack thing that clicks and chirps whenever sure. the things are nearby, the time fall rain. That was cool. The, the rain that if it gets on your skin, it makes you age really quickly. Um, yeah. The other world where he falls in the water, like, because he's right. come out in an interview since that trailer uh, happened and he said that the like the upside down water world thing is where you go when you die in the game and there's and that will be one of the mechanics right, so you don't yeah. actually like a dark souls right you don't actually die you yeah. go there and then you come back and like I, he said something to the effect of the progress is saved so like the enemies move on thinking you had died and you just come back mm-hmm. um like the whole baby thing, I don't even know if the baby's actually going to be in the game. I, I I don't know if it's a metaphor or not. But it's the fucking dumbest shit ever. It's so up, stupid. Throat though. Baby is now one of my favorite gifts 
of uh. 2017. So someone, because Giant Bomb did this live stream where uh, they did an Easy Bake Oven on the East Coast did. So it was like Dan Reichert, Abby Russell, and Vinny Caravella were doing Easy Bake Oven stuff. And so there's a shot of Dan. He he puts something in his mouth, but it's still hot. So he like opens mm-hmm. his mouth. He's like, "Oh, it's hot!" And it's in his mouth. And someone edited it where it's Dan doing that, and then it zooms in really fast <laughs> on his mouth, transitions <laughs> to the throat baby, who gives a thumbs up, and then warps back out to Dan with the hot food in his mouth. Holy uh, shit! It's good. That's oh, good. That so good. good. So like. I don't expect that scene to actually even be in the game. Like, sure. I'm taking what Kojima says with, like, tone stuff, like, theme-related things. And then I'm just excited to, like, see what kind of batshit stuff that he does unedited. Because he, like, there's no disputing that he is um, immensely creative and imaginative. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes to a fault, probably. But um, I would say always. I think I cannot think of a single example where that insane creativity has led to something overwhelming. I I have always felt like the negatives outweigh the positives with the the way that he does it. Um, I I think you you have to be open to Kojima in order to enjoy his games. (laughs) You have to you have to be open to that, Um, which Uh. I'm not always, um, but I have trained myself to be. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so, um, uh, right. The, the, and he, yeah. In that interview, he talked about the stick and the rope analogy, um, uh, about how like the stick, you'll have the stick, right. That you beat enemies with the weapons, but also, mm-hmm. you know, the rope with which to, you know, attack them from a distance and like, yeah. Um, this is how okay. he used this whole stick and rope analogy about the gameplay. Right. Um, I think like. I don't know what the fuck Death Stranding is going to be. I don't know what the whole deal is. But um, my excitement level remains cautiously <laughs> optimistic for... like Okay, I like the movie Rubber. About the tire that has telekinetic yes. abilities and blows people's right, brains and it up. falls in love. Falls mm-hmm. in love. Um, I really like that movie. Absurdist is one of my favorite styles in literature and performing, uh, performing arts. Kojima that is not the problem. Kojima is very much an absurdist creative mind. Absurdism is not the problem. It's cohesion. His stuff feels like he takes every thought that comes into his head and he throws it at the wall and not he doesn't take what sticks. Even the stuff that falls on the fucking floor he puts in his But games. he makes it fit. He no, finds I, see, a I, way don't, I just don't agree finds with that. Crazy like I'm not saying they're good justifications. They're but then, but then they're not justifications. They're absurd justifications. <laughs> no, you can't just use absurdism as like a carte blanche excuse to make anything make sense. No, I refuse. All right, he, okay. It's not. It's not that it all has to make sense. It's that he takes the time to explain everything. But the explanations are stupid. So? And don't make sense. So? So, but, so, but, but then, but like, why is that good? The fact that he explains it is not enough. But, but who gives a shit? I don't know. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. And, all right, I I will say I've always enjoyed the mechanical stuff in his games. And that's fine. I, I think, 
I, I have in all of his games, I've always felt like there are at least a couple ideas that are like groundbreaking or really great enhancements on things that already exist, the options that you have. There are a lot of things that I find impressive in his games. It's just the bullshit and the extra ideas that ruin them. Again, he needs someone to edit him. Someone needs to tell him no. And no one does that. But see it, Except Koji, except Konami who just fired. The him. problem is if you have that then it's no then it it becomes a game that someone else can make i don't agree there are levels of this it's not like you're t- saying no to everything he has to bring to the table there's 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 a there's a concept called killing your darlings and we talk about it a lot in in screenwriting because you might have a joke that is amazing but when you need to cut stuff and it doesn't serve the story that that joke is gone. You don't get to keep that joke, even though it was the best joke in the in the episode, because it doesn't serve the story, it doesn't serve the characters, it's superfluous. Kojima needs to kill his darlings. Any like it's like it's like any idea that he has makes it into the final product. And that's a bad way to make stuff. So I think there's space for something like there's totally room for something like what Kojima makes. You're right. His- it's called a garbage can. <sighs> <laughs> Super dismissive, like no, dude, no, and and I, I'm, I, I am, get, I get, I understand why you don't like it and why you think mm-hmm. it's nonsense. I just, I, I like that it's nonsense, and that, like, that's fine. I, I am, I am merely having a fun ribbing yeah. about this conversation. You, you are allowed to love Metal Gear Solid. No problems with that. I just personally think it is fucking bullshit <laughs> that is just my i don't think any less of you for liking it all right <laughs> when i was watching the trailer because like uh in our in our eight page show notes doc i go through and i take some notes as i'm watching the trailer so i remember stuff i want to talk about for each yeah. one and my note my note for death stranding i'll read it <laughs> verbatim which i think sums up my opinions Eight minutes of complete and utter fucking nonsense. No gameplay, no story. There is nothing to learn from this other than Kojima is an insane person and someone must stop him. <laughs> That's how I felt about this Death Stranding trailer. But see, like, the the sentiment of someone must stop him, I don't agree with. Like, just let him do that because people are enjoying it. Okay, and, and this is, I mean, you're Not right. Not everything Fine. has to be made for you. You you are t- you're and totally I know right. You know you're this. totally right. I'm saying this. No, you're totally I'm right. I'm saying this to project this onto society as a whole. Not everything right. has to be made for you, so it's fine if you don't like something and you can articulate why you don't like it. That's awesome. But as soon as you go, you need to not do that. As long as it's not right. hurting anyone, no. No, you I don't agree. Need to stop. I agree. It, it, I know and, you and know this, that. This is this is not my argument, but you could make an argument, and it would be a selfish one, of saying. Yeah, but these four hundred million fucking dollars Sony is giving Kojima to make this bullshit art piece could be used better elsewhere. Yeah, I guess that's. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making that argument. It's that's purely that is that's that would be me saying I don't like this, so it doesn't deserve to exist, which isn't what I'm saying. Right, I know. I'm just saying that, like, from a selfish perspective, I could have that. Like, I yes, do I wish that they were giving this money to someone else, or do I wish that? Sony would come in and not let Kojima do all everything he wants to do because then I think I would like his games more. Yes, selfishly, absolutely, but there's nothing wrong with this. But there's also nothing wrong with me thinking it's fucking nonsense. It's true. <laughs> in so, the end, no one's wrong. 
And nobody's right. And no one's right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving on, some other announcements. So I guess real quick, there's nothing like super huge about this, but uh, Bayonetta 3 is a game and it's coming to Switch, obviously. And they're also bringing Bayonetta 1 and 2 to Switch, yeah. which I personally am excited about because I haven't played Me them. Either. So I will. Yeah. Uh, I- I'm not big on the like combo based action games those were never really it's my been a thing while since i played but, um i mean i'm still curious in it obviously both of the games got glowing reviews yeah. and especially in terms of being completely over the top and fun Do you know if your so friend, i'll check you it know out if your friend mark ever because he was really big into like devil may cry do you yeah. know if he ever played bayonetta i don't i would assume he has okay. but i guess to be fair maybe he never had a nintendo console to play right them on. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, they, they're, like those are definitely games enjoy. that he would love. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we also got a trailer for a new From Software mm. game, which when I saw, to me, was like obviously Bloodborne 2 from the aesthetic of it. But I've seen all the people talking online that maybe they think it's a new Tenchu game. Yeah, because a lot of the line that's said or printed on the thing or whatever that's in the trailer yeah. is from, it's like a something that a character from the original Tenchu says, I think. Yeah. So, I personally would be more interested in a Tenchu game, because I just don't really... I'm not into Dark Souls, Bloodborne thing. Uh, so, we'll see. I mean, it is, it's just like a 30-second little teaser. Yeah. There's not really anything in there. Um, but it was. Just, I found it interesting, because I saw it, and immediately was like, oh, Bloodborne 2. And then going online, everybody's like, oh, it's a new Tenchu. Which, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, they also announced Soul Calibur Six coming out next year it's a fighting game so <laughs> looks like another one of those enjoy fighting games will enjoy that uh campo santo mm. announced their new game in the valley of the gods which uh for those that don't remember they put out firewatch last year yeah. which i really liked i loved the acting and the writing i thought the ending really missed the mark in several significant ways which bummed me out but on the whole i enjoyed the game um in this one you're kind of exploring pyramids with another character. So at least for part of the game, you're actually with another person. Right. And like, it's not over the radio. They're actually with you. Uh, I would assume it's going to be similar in structure where there's some light puzzle solving, but it's mostly just kind of exploration character building kind of right. stuff. Uh, I did make a note that the music was maybe a bit dramatic for the yeah, trailer. It didn't <laughs> feel right. And the trailer was very long and like it yes, showed, it was long. It showed just a lot of like gameplay without right. proper context. Walking around, yeah, yeah. There, there, like nothing super exciting happened in the trailer. It just was like I don't know. It, it was a bad trailer. Yeah, I it thought. Too. Uh, but based on the pedigree, I'm excited yeah. for it. Comes. It's right now slated for 2019. Okay, we also have a new game coming from THQ Nordic uh, called Fade to Silence, which seems weird uh it was another style trailer there's didn't really show a lot of gameplay it is available right now on steam early access to me it looks like it's like a third person action survival kind of game with some base building elements yeah which like to me it's it's a lot of stuff that a lot of games do already so i you know this game is gonna have to do some stuff to make it stand apart so Uh, i think the big thing about this game is it also has like um, a base management mechanic where like you're clearing these areas from the map uh, of this like Cthulian type, like Lovecraftian type monster infestation hell thing, um, and you're clearing out okay. areas of the map and you're building base stuff that NPCs will 
flock to and so you're kind of right. building a community within it which is different than a lot of those games are um i would say from what i've seen so far of some gameplay i watched a couple videos um it seems i mean it's early access but the combat seems really mm. rough um mm. but conceptually it seems interesting um sure. i would say the narration from like the demon hell dude or whatever mm-hmm. is like, way too frequent um, mm. He's like constantly saying like, "Burning in hell, demons death, mm. you will fail, uh, die, stuff like that." Like he's constantly saying that shit to you. So that's a, yeah. He needs the the verbosity meter <laughs> to turn him down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's like, yeah. Um, but I think it. I would like to check in in a few months, like maybe four or five months from now, and see where it's at. Because the community, like building the like the NPC spawning and clearing the areas, that stuff seems interesting. Because it, so often right. in these like survival games, like you have your base, but the world outside of your base stays largely untouched because it needs to respawn and you know keep giving you resources for you to build with. But like in this, like you're changing the environment of the, and you're actually affecting the world. And so it seems like there's maybe a larger narrative at play that you don't get in a lot of these survival games, which would mm. make me more interested because it's not something that you just play until you're done. It's mm. you play through this story and yeah, engage with the systems in that kind of context. So that at least seems interesting. Yeah, um, that's cool. It does. It is a little rough right now. And visually it's right. not, it's really yeah, access. Visually it's not, you know, like blowing me away, but um, sure. some like the snow tech is pretty neat. Because um, mm-hmm. the whole area is like covered in snow, um, so yeah, I'm in- I'm interested to see what they add to the game. Um, we also got a trailer for new Zelda DLC, the Champions Ballad. So it has like new trials to co- to complete, as well as uh, like horse armor and costumes uh, for your horse, that kind of thing. Again, I'm not far enough into Zelda to know like context of this. It looks like it's the four champions yeah. from back in time or whatever, and their new challenges or something. But I don't know, man. Seems like more Zelda. Yeah. So is that when? Is that out now? I think it is. Right. I have no idea. I think it's out now. No so I think that's what Kara's been playing. So she said okay. she went through the main story and like beat the champions whatever things and now that she's going back through with the dlc she has to fight those things again is what she said oh weird yeah so like like the four like divine right like presumably if you were starting the game new you'd only have to face them the one time but since she had already Mm -hmm. beat them she had to go back and beat them maybe that kind of sucks yeah she's i think that's what she said i don't know hmm uh, we got new. We got a release date for Sea of Thieves yeah. in a new trailer. It's coming out on March twentieth. Still, like uh, for me, I'm still unsure of like what, like what is the game? I just don't understand. I mean, I I, I get what the game is, but like, is there a story? Like, what no. what are you really doing other than trying to find random pieces of loot? Because if that's all it is, like, why? I just I don't know. It seems. I don't know. So, I'm, I'm having trouble grasping. Some of my friends have played the closed beta, and okay. while they signed an NDA and broke it by telling me about it, I did not sign an NDA, so I will talk about <laughs> it. Um, 
so uh, they were just giving me like these general experience. It's more about the experience and uh, like sure. crafting your own story with your friends. Sure. Um, like they said, it was a ton of fun trying to navigate with the ship with each other. Like. Sail, okay. They sailed directly into a storm, and they said like that was really intense. Like they were bailing water out, patching up yeah. holes in the hull, and like a guy up in the crow's nest was trying not to fall off as he was calling out rocks and stuff. Like they said that was really really awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Like if you can get a crew of people together like that, even if it's just two, maybe three people, that's enough um, to kind of get by. Um, they were talking about this really funny interaction they had with another ship where they landed on an island and they went and found the treasure. And then they went back to their ship, and there was another ship. Or no, they went back to the shore, and there was another ship there, and their ship was, like, sailing around or, like, away. Mm. Um, Like, so someone jumped their ship and stole theirs. Um, Yeah. And so they just grabbed the other person's ship and sailed off (laughs) with the treasure. Um, And then, uh, like, there, there was one thing where they were sailing back to port, and another, like, another ship came up and was like firing on them. And it's like, they're trying mm-hmm. to get to port as soon as quickly so they could cash the chest in before they like sunk their boat. Um, and they said like, it was really, really intense. Um, but like, why are you cashing in the you chest? Can upgrade like, your that, boat. That's where I'm missing it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Or like buy new boats, but then it, but, but then it can just get stolen. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's just the piece because like all of that sounds super fun, and I haven't played it. And maybe this the exploration and the gameplay is enough by itself. But to me, I'm just I'm missing the why. Like, why am I doing all of this stuff? Sure. That's the piece that I'm I'm missing. But it, I mean, it does. It looks incredibly fun. Yeah, I think and, the why uh, is that it's it's a fun sandbox with a lot of style. Sure. Yeah, and I, I'm I, if that stuff is all executed well, that is potentially enough. Right. Uh, I'll say um, with my severance that I'm going to get through staying with my job through the 12th mm-hmm. and I got a little bit of a bonus at the end of the year, I'm like wanting to spend a couple hundred dollars on something. Not like necessarily one big thing, but I, I want to reward myself basically. Yeah. And Kelly agreed. She's okay <laughs> with it. So um, I'm considering buying an Xbox One. Mm. And I'm not sure about that That's just because there aren't a ton of games that I would play on it. Um, but see if these is one of those games or that like I would be excited to play on Xbox One and obviously you know Sunset Overdrive I still would want to play oh, yeah, I, I would see play if these Halo is be an Xbox exclusive isn't it Yeah and uh, well and PC right Yeah I just I'm not gonna play games on PC I just can't right now and I don't have the money or wherewithal to upgrade my PC right. so Yeah but, I mean the uh, regular Xbox thinking. Ones are pretty cheap now right It's cut, like I know like yeah. one, well, well I, I would get there's... I would get an S oh, Okay. I think like I don't the regular get Xbox ones you can get for like under two hundred now. I think, man, maybe. And well, maybe maybe I could get an original, just the five hundred. That's what gig. I have. It's not like I'm gonna play a ton of games, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you- like I play Gears Four. Yeah, I play Cuphead, obviously, but there's that's kind of it. There's like only gonna be maybe two games a year that I would play on it. I would play. But that's not that much different than a Switch. I would play Gears Four co-op with you online. All right, I'll think about All it. All right, I'll think about it. Uh, we also got a new trailer, which I'm glad we got an update on this, uh, for Dreams, right. which is Media Molecule's next game. So this is like a weird-ass fucking game. And originally when it was announced, it seemed to me to be less a game and more of like a developer tool. Yeah. To like let people play around with this. Uh, but they formatted more of a narrative, much like they did with Little Big Planet. Because like when Little Big Planet came out, it was much the same. Like the core game seemed like it was for uh, level building, 
but they also had levels that they made that you could play through with friends and it was right. fun. This seems like they're doing a similar thing where like they had this really cool idea for a new system or a new like building mechanic in a game and then they've crafted a narrative for that. So it's supposed to still come out in 2018. Interesting. I'm surprised because it seems – I mean, a, the game it seems incredibly They've ambitious. had a lot of closed alpha. Like, they've had that going constantly okay. for, like, the well, past yeah. couple of years. And they've been working on it for several yeah. years as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just – the narrative definitely seems much like Little Big Planet, where it's kind of introducing you to the concepts and then you play around. I, I don't know. The style is really interesting, especially visually. It's very like hand-painted, kind of claymation almost yeah. style, which I really, really am digging. But looking at my experience with Little Big Planet, and like I just never really engaged with that level building portion because it was just there was too much. It was too much stuff. Sure. And this is even more complicated than that because you're essentially like building a video yeah, you're game. You're making almost. like 3D models. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. So I would be excited to see other what other people can do with this. I'm not sure if it's something that I will be engaging. Well, and with. that's the thing about the uh, like Little Big Planet and what seems like Dreams is like you can buy it and not make anything, just play what other people make. Yeah, like, that's, that's true. a totally yeah. valid way to play that game. Yeah. Uh, so we also got a new trailer for A Way Out, <laughs> which also announced the release date. Yes. <laughs> So, to talk about the game <laughs> first. Yeah. So, this was announced at E3, I believe. <sighs> and it is a co-op only game. You can play it couch co-op or online. But, I mean, it's a narrative sort of adventure game almost. Yeah. Well, uh, also, about, where you're about both... the co-op, they announced that yeah. only one person has to own the game. The that's other person yes. playing Which is awesome. online that's doesn't awesome. have to own it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, so, new trailer for that and a release date on March 23rd, which... Seems all right. I mean, I'm excited to play that game. Uh, I'm not sure if it's something simple enough that I could play with Kelly. I don't know if it'll have too many mechanics in it. Um, but I would certainly expect to play with you. Yeah. Kyle, maybe. I'll play with you. Um, but yeah, so they uh, they had the creator introduce a trailer. <laughs> and this game is being published by EA, who has been under a little fire recently yeah. with Star Wars Battlefront 2 loot boxes and stuff. And he had some opinions that he expressed. Right. Uh, I encourage you to go look the video up on YouTube because it's pretty amazing. But um, he basically was just like, hey, EA fucked up with Star Wars, but they've been treating me really well. Play my game. I'm really passionate about well, no, it. What he, what with he a said, lot of swear words. What he said was, fuck EA. They <laughs> fucked up with Star Wars. And then there was like a couple seconds. Then he's like, but EA has been a great partner. They've really helped us. (laughs) I've never seen someone backpedal. Well, I have, but he backpedaled pretty hard. I'm not sure uh, he'll be doing a lot more public speaking in promotion of his game. Although I will say he has a lot of new fans and there are a lot of people that will be buying this game now because they want to support him. So you know, here's the darkest of futures. <laughs> what if this was all a ploy by EA and this is their marketing tactic? Well, no, all right, so the way they know this, how bad their image the is. The way this guy behaved, like up there, mm-hmm. apparently that's just him. Like he's yes. that all the time. Yeah, I've seen Which that. Which sounds yeah. like a fun guy to be around like once every couple yeah. months. Right. And I felt bad for Jeff Keeley because he kept I trying know. to get the guy to like intro the trailer and he's like, dude, we're we're running out of time. Like Jeff's if you don't face. intro this thing, we're just not gonna show it. I felt and obviously like he's bashing EA, one of the biggest publishers too. Right. I'm sure there was a, a a bit of an awkward uh talk after yeah. that bit, but um 
the game itself still looks really cool. I'm super interested to see if this can execute on the ideas that it yeah. has because it's very, very unique. It is. Uh, I could I could see it being amazing or incredibly frustrating to play. So hopefully it's the former. We got a trailer for Witchfire, yes. which the beginning of the trailer I was kind of like, eh, it, 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 was, it was like. Uh, from the creators of Vanishing of Ethan Carter, and then it's like walking mm-hmm. through a forest, whatever, blah blah mm-hmm. blah, and then like it gets to like this giant creature, and then it turns and looks at you, and then it's like and bullet and then the storm, dude, and the dude pulls out a and shotgun. then the dude pulls out a shotgun. <laughs> and you're like, oh shit! <laughs> yes, it was like everybody should watch this trailer. It's a fucking fantastic so trailer good. because it was at the beginning. I was already I was like, oh, I'm kind of like vanishing at Ethan Carter. Okay, walking simulator. The, it seems a little spooky. Like, all right, not super, you know. Uh, really exciting but i'm interested and then it's like and bullet storm he pulls out the shotgun starts fucking blowing <laughs> demon faces off like, yes, then i was like yes, yes okay yes i am down <laughs> so i mean it's, it's effectively i mean it's a first person shooter yeah. very doom i'm gonna watch that trailer again um yeah it's, it's it uh it seems cool uh pulling that up for later obviously can't say how how good the gameplay actually is sure. but it certainly but, looks i mean cool. bullet storm played really well like the gunplay was yeah, did. fabulous yep. so i i imagine yep. Yep. i don't have any you know reticence about their ability to pull off a good feeling game mm-hmm. um we got a trailer for a new game from the lead designer on payday yeah. called gtfo <laughs> which is a name that i hate yeah. so much uh, it is a four-player co-op first-person horror shooter. Say that five times fast. So, I mean, I, I just found it to look fairly generic, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it just didn't really – it just didn't do anything for me. But to be fair, Payday also didn't really do anything for me, and that game is incredibly popular. Yeah, I so. never really got into Payday either. I, I Again, like – these co-op centric games, like where you're supposed to get like mm-hmm. a crew of guys together, I always had trouble with because a lot of the time I mm-hmm. want to play games by myself, and so like I never put the time into crafting like a group of guys like that we get together every week to play stuff, which you kind of need to do for this these types of games. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, and again, that's my worry of Sea of Thieves is you know am I going to sure. be able to hop in Actually with a, do. a yeah. group? You know, and um, we got. A new trailer for Metro Exodus, oh. as well oh, as yes. a targeted release date for fall 2018. We'll see if it actually sticks oh, to I that, because so. no games ever release when they announce. Um, but, I mean, I'm fucking pumped as hell for this oh, game. Man. I loved the first two games. I, I'll, although I will say, the first game I liked less because the shooting was kind of frustrating. Yeah, it was a little rough. It was Because it was, like, it was intentionally inaccurate, right. which I just found to not be super fun. Um but Metro Last Light, I loved. It made my top ten that year. Yeah. And uh, really excited for this one. So hopefully it comes out next year, in fact. New game, World War Z. Yeah. Which is a four-player co-op shooter Unsuspected. about zombies. Here's a game yep. for a so movie that came a out game. a couple years ago. Well, it's also based on the yeah. book, and that which is super popular. But Strange. it's more just like more zombies, more co-op shooter with zombies. Can I play as Brad like, Pitt? Yikes. Uh, so I'm, I mean... I, I watched this and I was like, yeah, I'm not interested in this whatsoever. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it just feel it feels like they're chasing that Left for Dead money, and that train sailed like a decade ago. <laughs> so, like, like zombies are so guys? played out. That's why when Days Gone was announced, I felt the same way. I'm like, really, zombies still? 
Like people for like five years, people have been saying that they're tired of zombies. I don't know. I'm I, still, maybe those I'm games not still sell zombies yet. I don't uh, know that I ever yeah, will I be. Am. It's I a am. good excuse uh, to kill people without feeling bad. You're not wrong. It's yeah, you're not you wrong. shoot bodies, but you're not <laughs> shooting people. Sure. And finally, and obviously the largest announcement. Yes. Vacation Simulator oh, yeah. coming to VR by the by the makers of Job Simulator. So, Kyle, I anticipated you being excited about I am. this. It looks hilarious. It, yeah, it looks great. I mean, those game, they, they, Job Simulator has such a great sense of humor, and like it was one of those flagship VR games to show off yeah. like how fun a simulation like that can be in doing like making menial tasks fun and charming, uh, and so like in more of a vacation format, you know, and anything more that's like that is a is a positive for the vr space so really looking forward to that uh and those were kind of the big things from game awards from psx there were far less like big there really weren't any big announcements i didn't didn't think think so either a lot of like a lot of trailers for smaller games some of which look cool some of them not so much so we don't need to spend a ton of time on this um but so trailer for 20xx which is like looks like a Mega Man game, side-scroller kind of thing, but it's also co-op. Yeah. Uh, I really liked the soundtrack and the trailer. It was very, yeah. like, chiptune-y, electronica kind of thing, which I really liked. Targeted for early 2018. Another game called Tower 57, which is a three-quarter kind of dual-stick shooter. Um, again, it's that, that style, that genre of game, to me, is not incredibly interesting but uh i did like the style of the visuals and whatnot in the game again targeting early 2018 um and then we have moonlighter which is a really cool concept it is like the way the trailer intros it looked like the game is you're a shopkeeper in an rpg which like would be a really fun game Mm -hmm. but also this one has like you're, by night, you moonlight as a dungeon right. crawler. Right, so, so it's kind of yeah, both. Yeah, you go get the supplies for the shop. Yeah, yeah there are a yeah. few so, games on Steam already that do this same thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, that makes it a little less I exciting. Know. But I thought it looked cute. Uh, to be honest, when it was just just like the, oh, you're a shopkeeper in like a Final Fantasy game, because like all of these other heroes keep coming right. in and buying swords and stuff, Like that's like a really fun game. Yeah. Uh, and them adding on, like, oh, you're also a dungeon crawler made it a little less special. But that game is also coming out in early 2018. It's a very, very Zelda style to yeah. it, which, you know, is good. Children of Morda is a three-quarter top-down action RPG. So it seems very Diablo-esque, loot-driven. It's co-op, obviously. Yeah, I kickstarted uh, this, like, three years ago. Oh, yeah, interesting. So I've been following okay. the development of it from, like, the get-go. Cool. So I'm, I'm very excited so, um, for it to finally yeah. release. And I mean, it's uh, it's like pixelated as yeah. well, kind of that indie game style. It Again, because it's like fantasy whatnot, it just feels a little generic to me the, just because there's so many games that do that sort of yeah. thing. The but pixel it, animation I mean, it looks is really good. good. Like there, there's a lot of Yeah, I liked it too. Uh, in the pixels. Yeah, I liked it. it very like fluid yes. pixel animation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's supposed to come out next year as well. Hover is a futuristic racing slash trick game that feels very much in the line of like jet set radio style. It has 
competitive and co-op multiplayer. I was confused by the trailer, the way that they talked about the multiplayer and how it worked seemed odd. Um, cause like you can create challenges and they also have separate game modes. Like there's like a basketball game mode. It just seems like there's a lot going on in this game. Right. To be honest, it, it didn't look awesome to me. Um, but I know a lot of people are really into the jet set radio. Yeah, there's a lot of looking for that new, that. yeah. And, and like the whole, you know, cause the recent Tony Hawk games have been terrible, but that like high score trick kind of games yeah. were so popular, especially in the nineties and early two thousands. No game has really come back and succeeded in that in recent years. So maybe this one could, um, I did make a note that I found the soundtrack and the trailer to be incredibly annoying. Yeah. And the music is like, done by one dude who did the trailer for or did the music for the trailer so that's a turn off it's just really annoying techno music Mm -hmm. it just was bad uh new game from stick it to the man developers called flipping death which looks fun i love the visual style of it it's very like um paper cutout kind of hand-drawn aesthetic it's very like I mean, it's not a horror game, but it's dealing with, like, death and the Grim Reaper and stuff. Kind of the whole... It's very Tim Burton, I guess, is the best way to yeah, describe kind of, it. Yeah, very gothic-looking so, and... Yeah. Yeah. And, like, basically, you're enlisted by the Grim Reaper to help him collect other souls. And so you can switch back between the death world and the alive world, and it flips the actual, like, screen between those two worlds on, like, a 2D plane, which is cool. Um I don't know. It just it looks really interesting, kind of a platformer, puzzly sort yeah, of game. Yeah, and can't you, so you I'll can be kind of like take over that. people's bodies and like make them do stuff? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And then um, Aquatic Adventure of the Last Human, which is a bad name for a video game. <laughs> yes, it is. It is a pixelated side scroller kind of game where you play as a submarine in like the depths of the ocean, fighting like giant sea monsters and stuff. It's a cool concept. I really liked the concept of it and the style of the trailer. But again, just that like side scroller. I don't know. It's just the genre, tired the out pixels. It just yeah. It just I'm just yeah. It just was played out like the roguelikes, the side scroller, pixelated shooter games. It's just I've been playing those for upwards of twenty years. I don't know. It's just not as exciting anymore. But to be fair. It's hard for a lot of games to be exciting for me nowadays because so many genres feel played out. But this one did stand out because, like, I liked, like, you're like this kind of cute little submarine fighting these giant sea monsters. Like, that, it just seemed cool. And then finally, they had a trailer for what's called Aqua TV, which is fucking weird. So it seems like it is just, it's it's not a video game. It's just like a 3D interactive aquarium. Which, why? It's, it's like I don't it's like know. The Netflix uh, fireplace, but interactive. But interactive, yeah. It just seems like a weird, Strange. but maybe cool kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it seems like uh, one of those um, those tech demos that Sony would use to like showcase a new hardware. It seems like mm, one of those, yeah. but now it's like releasing yeah. towards like the mid to the end, like like the middle of life cycle of the PS4. It's just strange, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, not a ton of, like, no big new announcement, which is disappointing. There's no, like, big surprise game that's releasing in the beginning of 2018 that they're putting a date on. But some smaller games that some of them seem kind of cool, keep an eye on. So, eh, it is what it is. Overall, like, a disappointing PSX, I would say. But, um, yeah. So, 
moving into the larger industry news, some other gaming stuff. So just as a real quick side, uh, Nintendo just announced that the Switch has sold 10 million units, and the system's only been out like nine months, which is pretty impressive. The Wii U sales to date is 13.5 million. Yeah. So that's pretty fucking good for yep. them to sell 10 million units in nine months yeah. when the preceding console in, what, several years only sold a couple million right. more? So off to a good start. Cuphead also crossed the 2 million sales mark, which is amazing for such a small indie game like that. That's, you know, it's digital only. Like, that's fucking awesome no, for them to sell no that many copies. No one's ever done that game before, like that art style in a, in a yeah, game format. Yeah. And so anything it's new and, like that, you know, it's going to sell gangbusters if it's I executed mean, I, well. I, I, and I, I think like a lot of the pieces led to it. It was obviously incredibly unique from a visual style perspective. It's also a really hard game. So those hardcore gamers, that word of mouth spreads that it's a fun, challenging game. And it's and yeah, it's co-op, which is really cool. So, and I mean, it has amazing soundtrack. And obviously, uh, from a smash cut, like it reviewed really yeah. well and was listed in a lot of Game of the Year nominations. So, I mean, clearly, it's a very well, like, critically well received game. So, kind of perfect storm of all these elements coming together. And very happy for the two dudes that worked on this game. They obviously put several years with the blood, sweat, and tears individually animating all of these little things, and or just a really, really unique idea for a video game. Yeah. So, props to them. Uh, so I guess kind of the biggest news story of everything is that Disney has officially acquired 21st Century Fox for $52.4 billion, which like, that's like a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so did, did this actually officially go through? It, it has not been approved. So with a sale this large effect, like the government has to approve right, it because and make sure that there's reasons. no like, yes, exactly. So, but it, the expectation is that it will go through. Uh, so, I mean, this is, this is fucking huge news, but I will clarify this for, cause I've seen a lot of people confused by this. Disney does not own Fox. So Fox retains their main network. Um, see, I'm looking back at my notes here. So they maintain their main Fox network as well as like Fox News, their local Fox uh, sports stations, that sort of thing, uh, with a few exceptions. But Disney has now acquired Fox Television and Film Studios, which again doesn't mean that they now own the shows that are on Fox Network, only the shows that were created via Fox Television Studios and Fox Film Studios. Right. So little, little how the sausage is made on television production. So... Fox Television Studios, they can produce a pilot, and because it's Fox Television Studios, Fox gets first dibs at that pilot if they want to pick it up to for a season run. If they pass, Fox Television Studios can pitch to other networks. So a Fox Television Studios show could air on CBS and vice right. versa. This happens a lot with ABC Studios. They're one of the biggest production studios out there. They have a lot of shows that are on non-ABC networks. Hopefully that makes sense. So Disney owns the studios for film and television, not the network. So they've also acquired additional film studios, 20th Century Fox, Fox 2000, and Fox Searchlight, which is more of their like indie-ish uh, production studio. They acquired some of their overseas networks uh, as well as like their cable networks. So FX, FXX, National Geographic, uh, all that kind of stuff. And, and some other like – I think like – Fox, some Fox Sports, I think they did acquire, but 
the most relevancy for the things that we typically talk about is they acquired the rights to specific shows and specific movies. Right. So in a perfect example of them acquiring Fox Television Studios, not Fox Network, they now own This Is Us, which is one of the biggest shows on TV right now multiple Golden Globe or Emmy Award winner or whatever. The show looked like hot trash to me. Emotional, emotionally manipulative bullshit. But they own that show, which... Um, so that's them owning the television studio, not the network, for example. But they also own other Fox franchises like Avatar, which is going to make so much fucking money in these sequels that they've already planned. They own the Die Hard series, the Alien series. They own The Simpsons now, which is Modern crazy. Family, which again, like Modern Family isn't a Fox show, but it was made via Fox Studios, Fox Television right. Studios, so they own that. But I guess the biggest relevancy to what we talk about is obviously like the comic book shit. So they now own X-Men as well as Daredevil. They own Fantastic Four. So Disney obviously owns Marvel. And so now all the talk is like, how are they going to implement these guys into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Which I think is incredibly exciting. Consolidating that stuff is a much needed change. Yeah, and I mean, like, people are up and down in the Marvel movies, thinking like maybe they're played out a little bit. There have been so many of them, and they're not doing a ton of new stuff, which I definitely get. I still am enjoying all the movies. To me, this is like best case scenario, because now, like, you know... Robert Downey Jr., he doesn't want to play Iron Man anymore. Chris Evans doesn't want to play Captain America anymore. I don't think Chris Hemsworth wants to do Thor anymore. So, like, these big hitters are now, like, we kind of want to be done. And maybe in a couple of years they can bring them back for another Avengers movie or whatever. But the, the thought was, like, all right, so how is Marvel going to transition the heroes? People like Black Panther, like Ant-Man. Those movies are the new franchises where we will get two, maybe three sequels of those. But now that they have X-Men and Fantastic Four, they can dive right back into those and reboot those. Right. So for Marvel, and I mean, obviously for Disney as the owners, this makes complete fucking sense. It's a huge win for them. And with what Fox has done in general with those franchises, it's a huge win for fans. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody would argue that the Marvel movies are of a lower quality than what Fox has done with X-Men and Fantastic Four. Obviously, Daredevil was – or uh, Deadpool was great. But Apparently, Logan the other was X-Men really movies – Logan also was really good. Yeah. I forgot about that. But the, most of the other X-Men movies have been – average at best yeah. and fantastic four certainly all three fantastic four movies have been fucking miserable so i'm very excited about this it does make disney kind of one step closer to controlling the universe which is their ultimate goal but uh i still think it's good yeah um yeah so back to video game news in a recent interview at psx uh, Greg Miller was talking to Sean Layden, who is the head of PlayStation, about changing the PlayStation usernames, which is something that has been a highly requested feature since the early days of PS3, and just the technology hasn't allowed them to do it or whatever their excuse is. They keep kind of sprinkling that someday you'll be able to, but it's not happening. Maybe it's gonna now, because in an interview with Greg Miller, Sean Layden said, I hope we'll see events occur that you don't have to ask me that question next PSX. Yeah. Which would probably indicate that they're going to release this at some point. Yeah, so the whole issue with the name changing and the reason they haven't been able to implement it is because um, in their infrastructure, they made an early design decision with the network infrastructure on PS3 that turned out to let them not, like, it would, they would have to basically rebuild the PS3 online infrastructure in order to make that happen, like the way it, right, 
stores data and handles client data, all that stuff, they would have to completely re remake it. Um, and because the PlayStation 3 network is still alive, like, that affects all of PlayStation Network, right? Because, like, you you have a username account that spans all Sony products, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, the choices they made early on with that online infrastructure still affect it today because it's still connected. It's part of the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, so, apparently, they must have found some way to make that happen or maybe because PlayStation Now... Uh, officially exist and you can play PS3 games on your PS4, maybe they will be shutting down the PlayStation 3 online Interesting. Uh, service thing. That would... That's a scary thing to consider. Um, right. But that's the only thing I can think of that would allow them to do something like this if they were to shut down that portion yeah. of their online infrastructure. Um, or maybe they just decided to shut it down and then rebuild it. Um, maybe right. maybe it's and so, I mean, like their user base on that uh, generation is so small they can afford to do that now. Um, like, hey, it's going to be down for a couple of weeks and then we'll like whatever. I don't know. I don't know how it all works, but that's something that popped into my head is maybe they're done supporting yeah, PS3. And I mean, Xbox has had this for a while. It is a service that you have to pay for, which I would anticipate is going to be the same on PlayStation. But for me, like, fine. My PSN name is DW underscore drummer 22 or something, something like that. Like I, it was, I made it when I was like in eighth grade or whatever the hell. Uh, and I'm mighty Manotaur basically everywhere else. So I would prefer to change it to mighty Manotaur. And that's kind of my name across all those platforms. Sure. So I will gladly pay $15 one time to change it. And there are a lot of people with a terrible names that they made when they were kids, you know, like XX420 Ghost XX, like those kind of people that are now in their 30s that probably want to change. I can guarantee <laughs> you the person who's not going to change their name is Spoots. <laughs> <laughs> that Absolutely. online username has stuck with me in a really weird way. Yeah. I mean, it's it a good name. Spoots. Spoots. Uh, so some... Uh, new announcements for new games as well as trailers and delays and stuff real quick. So Mega Man 11 has been announced. It's slated to come out in tw late 2018. It's coming to PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, and Steam, I guess. Um, I mean, it looks like, an, uh, like a Mega Man game. It's got that, I mean, it's a side-scroller, obviously, but it's got that 3D feel yeah. to it, to the characters, it, to the like background and the, stuff. It's like the new Super Mario Bros. stuff, like that style. Um, like, mm -hmm. it's 2D, but it's 3D. I hate mm -hmm. that. I fucking yeah. Hate I, I don't it. love it. I think it's I don't bad. love it. Like it's bad for precision. Yeah. It's bad for telling right. what's going on at any given time. Yeah. And I don't think it looks good. Um, right. I, I'm with yeah, you on that. I think it's bad. Um, we got a new trailer for Darksiders three, which continues to look cool. Excuse me. I mean, I played some of the first Darksiders. It didn't really grab me. Man, I got <laughs> hiccups. But um, I own it. I went ahead and bought, because it was on sale, I got, like, the Darksiders collection. So I got the first and second game, and I got them both for, like, 20 bucks total. So at some point, I'll play those. Yeah. I know the second one was a much different game. It was more open than the first right. was. Um, but the third one, like, the combat looks co cool. You play as Fury. She's a female horseman, yeah. I guess. She has, like, a whip kind of thing that she uses to, to fight and a lot of flips and acrobatics and stuff. It looks cool. So I'm, I'm excited to see more The first one you play as War, and the second one you play yes. as Death? Okay, yes. so now we've got Fury, and then what's the fourth Horseman? Uh, I mean, oh, I think um, I think they might have changed the I think they might have changed the names because I know one of them is Pestilence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
who's like disease right. and illness and that kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. So I, I'm similar boat as you. I only played a little bit of the first one, or maybe I even just watched my friend Cody play the first one because I know he really mm-hmm. liked Darksiders. Uh, I think it was Cody. Um, it's been so long now. Um, right. So, yeah, that's, uh, I didn't realize they had like a one and two collection. Maybe I, I might need to get that pick that up too yeah i don't remember what it's called because i know the second one they released the definitive right. edition which was the ps4 version but i think it's actually might be like it might be called like the fury collection oh. i think darksiders the fury something like that where you can get both of those first two games okay. but i got it when there was a ps right. sale so i think normally they're both 20 bucks and i got them for 20 bucks total i think is what it was uh so unfortunately some delays nino cooney and far cry 5 have both been delayed they were both supposed to come out um, early 2018, but have been delayed to March of 2018, which I guess is still relatively early. But so, I mean, it is, I never played, I still have never played the first Nino Kuni, even though I borrowed your PS3 disc like eight years ago and still have it and haven't played it. Uh, but I know you were super excited for Far Cry 5. Um, yeah. I, this is one of those where March is the end of the fiscal year, so I don't anticipate them being delayed any farther than this. Hopefully, it just doesn't mean that they're rushed out. Because once a game is slated to come out in March, it usually won't get delayed again because they want to make that money in their fiscal year. It's just the way that the business works. But as we saw with Mass Effect Andromeda, they delayed that game so many times that it kind of released unfinished. So hopefully that doesn't happen with these. Oh. Also, um, real quick note. Yeah. I just Hit looked me. up Darksiders on PSN. Darksiders 2 Definitive Edition is free on PSN right now. And well, the shit. Dark, uh, the Darksiders War Mastered <laughs> Edition for the first one. Yikes. Um, uh, let me see. Is that? That's only 20 bucks. So I can still get both for 20 bucks right now if I want. All right. Neat. Yeah. But yeah. Well, now I feel like an idiot. It's the Darksiders Furies Collection War and Death. Furies. Um, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Shoot. Maybe I won't get the first one and I'll just nab the second one and play it. Yeah, I don't think you need... I don't think there's a ton of cohesion right. across them. Because um, it's different characters and stuff, obviously. And I guess the game play is very different, too. The second one's much more open world. Right. So. Uh, and then also on the delay front, Psych- the new Psychonauts sequel was supposed to come out in 2018. They've come out and said... It will not be coming out in 2018. So it isn't officially slated for 2019. It's just that's the earliest it would come out. I guess they're just still much earlier on in development than they planned. So I know a lot of people were excited about Psychonauts 2 or whatever they decided to, to, to call it. But uh, fortunately, we'll be playing that in 2018. Um, okay, what else we got on video games? So this is a, was a, came across as a pretty large surprise to me when I saw this. But um, they're currently working on the next Zelda game. Which, shocker, they're making another one. <laughs> I'm surprised. Blown away. Uh, but I guess the more meat to this is that they are following the Breath of the Wild structure, so it will be open world again. They're tr- working on new ways of making the game to hopefully speed up their development time. Not sure what that is, but hopefully they figure it out because, man, it takes them forever to we make video We decided to games. adopt the EA Assassin's Creed style of development, <laughs> so you'll get a new Zelda every year. With a massive oh open world. Yeah. Uh, More towers, please. 
<laughs> but uh, they Nintendo does have their 2D, their like handheld Zelda team, which they'll continue to make their handheld Zelda games that are 2D. And they mentioned that, uh, hey, they might even bring one of those to Switch. It might not only be on 3DS, which totally yeah. makes sense. I would not they be surprised should. if... There are very few 3DS exclusive games moving forward, especially considering you can play the Switch on the right. go. Right. I mean, as the well. only thing is the t- uh, the touch controls. Which does the Switch have a touch screen? And 3D. I don't think so. Because <sighs> I never use it as a touch screen. I think it I can't does. imagine it does. Because there, but there's no peripheral for it. Like there's no, there's no like uh, pencil that you can buy. <sighs> it. Uh, yeah, it, it does have a touch screen. What does Google it say? Does. Features. How? What do you use it for? Multi-touch capacitive touch screen. What What do you use it for? What game uses that? Um, Nintendo Switch Touchscreen Tour. How to use it? Oh, but wait, wait, this dude's <laughs> a total bro. Um, oh, is it a so video? So he's navigating the main menus with it. He's in Zelda, and it's not working. Awesome. Um, yeah, he's using it to navigate the GUI, not the GUI, the um, the main menu stuff. Well, considering this, we are now narrating a video that you're watching in audio format as being maybe not the most compelling podcast. Yeah. Oh, it seems oh, like there, you there, can't there's a, there's use a it. setting that you can go to, and then you can actually like use it. So now the guy went into the menu and messed with a setting, and now he can like actually weird. Oh, he can use it for photo mode and stuff, and like uh, use it, right. uh, like do touch for the keyboard that pops up for text and all that. Yeah, interesting. That's bizarre. Um, I will continue to not use that. Right. Yeah. Same. <laughs> what more you know? They should have not included it and maybe chopped $25 off of the price of the Switch. That sounds smart. Uh, so moving into the world of television, NBC came out and said that they are considering bringing back The Office, which makes me very sad. I do not want that show to come back because if it did come back, it would be without Michael Scott and they did say that it would also they would like not all of the characters would return and they would obviously be introducing new characters and to me I'm like yeah, make a make new a fucking new show. show I just I don't know the for as underwhelming and disappointing and frankly unfunny as like the final two seasons were of that show really like the final four seasons were of that show in general they nailed the finale the finale was fan fucking tastic Tied up everything I wanted it to tie up, left everything open that I wanted it to be open. It was satisfying without feeling corny, the way that maybe Parks and Rec felt a little too corny. I loved that finale. Don't undermine it by bringing all these guys back. Please, just let it die. Let it go out and sail. Let it sail into the West <laughs> like Frodo with the Frodo. elves. <laughs> so hopefully that doesn't happen, but because it's re- NBC is shitting itself, Nowadays, it shows just aren't sticking the way that they used to, and uh, network television in general is suffering, especially on the comedic front. Maybe so they just need something. Wouldn't that be surprised if they tried to, to force money. it. Yep, and I mean, it's like I'm gonna watch right. it. They have me by the balls. It's not like I'm not gonna watch right. it. Assholes, <laughs> please don't. 
Um, we the also learned news that of the day. <laughs> we also learned that we talked about the Detective Pikachu oh, yeah. movie before. Casting announcement has come out. The voice of Detective Pikachu will be Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> also, Deadpool. So seems the weird. thing that I keep seeing uh, floating around is like there are a bunch of custom um, amiibos and stuff, and like mm-hmm. I think there's there must be a Pikachu amiibo um, because there are a lot of like painted Pikachu amiibos that are like Pikachu in a Deadpool outfit, and those have been going <laughs> nice. around for a long time. So the mm-hmm. internet foretold. Uh, Ryan Reynolds as Detective Pikachu. So, I mean, a lot of the details still aren't out about the movie, but kind of the general story is that Detective Pikachu is helping a kid find his dad. The kid's being played, uh, where I write his name down, uh, Justice Smith, who folks may know, uh, he played the lead in the Get Down show, the Baz Luhrmann show on Netflix. It was uh, in the, like, 60s, 70s, in the hood kind of music I don't know. Whatever. But uh, he's playing the teenager, and so Detective Pikachu is helping him find his dad. That's the story of Detective Pikachu, played by Ryan Reynolds, which sounds like a dream that I had. <laughs> and may- maybe uh, not, not a good dream. Life. Right. It's just yeah. weird. It's weird casting. But hey, I it's like Ryan Reynolds. dreams whatever. you wake up and you're like, there's got to be some meaning in that, but I can't find yeah. it. And as a funny aside, I was actually I was looking at this this morning before we talked because I wanted to make sure I had the update eight details. And I was reading a Vanity Fair article, which, ugh. <laughs> but it was funny in there they were like Ryan Reynolds will be portraying Detective Pikachu through motion capture. If you aren't familiar with that, think Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Who the fuck isn't familiar with motion I capture? Know, right? It was it made me sad for america that some people some idiot reading vanity fair on the daily is like motion capture what's that <laughs> how do you catch is that motion? j-lo's new album <laughs> yikes uh so we got a new trailer for the jurassic world sequel called fallen kingdom which is continues hollywood's trend of like hey let's just pick two generic words and that's our subtitle fallen kingdom bingo um i actively thought this trailer was Same. bad like, not that I think the movie will be bad. I found the first one to be pretty okay. I like Chris Pratt. Yeah, it was fine. Um, but just the trailer I just thought was really, really yeah. terrible. It was too long and had, like, an entire scene almost yeah. as the trailer. And so, like, like okay, why am I watching a scene from the movie in this trailer? I don't want to watch a scene from the movie. Show me, like, highlights. That's what a trailer <laughs> right. does. It just, to me, it just wasn't effective. And the scene they showed, it wasn't all that special anyway. This, I mean... This to me is the Lost World. It's yeah. it's the second Jurassic Park movie again, just in the new franchise. Yep. Because it's like, hey, the, they've taken over the place that we shut down. We have to come back and rescue people. I don't know. Who yep. cares? I'm sure it'll be perfectly average and entertaining summer blockbuster yes. movie. In slightly more exciting news, we got a trailer for season two of Jessica oh, yeah. Jones. Which I, as I've said many times, hated the first season because of the story and it felt like it was spinning its wheels too much. Um, I didn't have any problems with Jessica Jones really as a character. I thought that she was, you know, interesting enough despite the fact that she was a shitty person and selfish and kind of annoying and only got in her own way. So maybe I didn't really love her character so much. <laughs> but um, 
she wasn't like terrible. I liked her more in the Defenders yeah. when the show wasn't hinging on her. So, but the trailer I thought was cool. It seems like the kind of the story they're setting up more of the her backstory, like how she got her powers, and that's kind of the thread that they're tying together. Yeah, which, which is, is good. I'm interested in that. That sounds cool. Yeah. yeah so we didn't um, really get much of any of that in the first season. So yeah, and for like sure. we have pretty uh, decent chunks of origin stories for the other Marvel characters. So um, right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's coming out March 8th, which, and I didn't realize that show came out two years yeah. ago. It does not seem like well, it was that long because they've had a ago. steady stream of other, uh, Netflix yeah. Marvel properties. That's true. Uh, uh, speaking of Netflix, the Witcher Netflix series is a go. They've been rumored and like, oh, it was going to happen, but we haven't really got any details. Still not a ton of details on it, but it is going to be written by the head writer from Daredevil and the Defenders and the Sony show Powers, which, like, that seems okay. It seems like a good fit. Still, like, no casting or date or story stuff, but it is definitely happening. Um, I guess that's not fair to say. They could always cancel it at any time because it hasn't started it's shooting It's closer yet, to happening. <laughs> it's Yes, it's taken the next step forward. Uh, I'm really curious to see how that show yeah. works out because they've said it's it's combining CG with live action and that kind of that thing. That can get tricky. I'm not sure what they mean by Ooh, that. Or the Warcraft but, um, movie. <clears throat> right, exactly. Uh, and then um, on the Apple side of things, so good news and bad news for, from yeah. Apple. Good news, they have officially... Requ- they now require new games on the App Store to list odds for like loot box type of things, right. which is yeah, awesome. that's good. So this is something that that China has already had in motion for a long time because they're like those free to play games are huge yep. in China, even bigger than the United States. China do. And this care. is a rule that they've had for a while. Yes, China does care. Do <laughs> care. Um, so a while ago it came out, the ESRB said that loot boxes are not gambling, which is why they didn't have these heavier restrictions on loot boxes. Word is still out what the actual U.S. government thinks of this. There have been several cases of politicians coming out and saying that it's not okay. I think it was a Hawaiian senator came out and specifically called out Star Wars Battlefront 2 and saying it was unfair yeah. and, like, manipulative. And their whole thing, because it's politicians, they're like, think, won't somebody think of the children? <laughs> like, it's not okay for kids to be spending real money on these gambling boxes, which I would tend to agree yeah. with. Um, you gotta the government being early. more involved. Well... The government becoming more involved in game development is maybe not a trend that I want, but in this specific case, I would be okay with it just because I am smart enough and old enough to know better, but not everybody is. And those kinds of people, while you can look at them and say, well, it's their own fault. They're making this stupid decision for themselves. People are dumb. Like they just are. And so I don't want dumb people to be so easily manipulated and taken advantage of. That's just kind of where I am on the whole loot box argument. And I do tend to think that if it's a randomized thing that you're spending real money on, that's gambling. Like, it just is, by definition. So, whatever. But, back to this specific instance. So, Apple now requires them to list the odds of their loot boxes. So, they're not regulating inclusion of loot boxes with the prices, the rewards. Simply, they have to to disclose the percentage of getting certain types of things. And uh, I think that's a good change. We'll see if there are heavier regulations once the government gets their hands on this whole situation. But I think from a pure, like, self-regulation perspective, I think this is a, a positive move. Do you have any any other thoughts on that? Um, 
I, I think transparency is never a bad thing. Um, I think sure. it's always a move in the positive direction, especially when a topic is being so hotly debated. Ha- having, you know, c- as a consumer, knowing more about mm-hmm. what I'm spending my money on, never a bad thing. Blanket statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. And then there was some negative news about Apple. So, Kyle, I'll let you take this one. Yeah, so uh, there are a lot of, like, clickbait headlines out there that kind of misconstrue some of the situation. But a spokesperson for Apple came out and said um, people have been taking it as, and it maybe should be taken as this way, um, that Apple is intentionally slowing older phones. Um, The, like, the... Uh, the negative part of that is like, oh, they're slowing them down, so you buy a new phone. But they say mm-hmm. it's because as batteries get older, they're not capable of the same power output or power storage, so they throttle back the processor to use less battery power. Like that's just in right. the iOS. Um, so old. Basically, they're saying it's kind of a necessary right. evil. So, basically. like, basically, if you want your battery to last more than like three or four hours, you're gonna have to deal with slowdown. Um, like, that's just yeah. because the life of a battery, yada yada yada. Um, the problem is they didn't tell anyone this, and now people are <laughs> like, "Hey, this is happening." So then they a spokesperson mm-hmm. came out and said, "Our goal is to deliver the best experience for customers, which includes overall performance and prolonging the life of their devices," which is a very PR statement. Um, yeah, it means right. nothing. Uh, basically, just it would be nice to have the option to turn that on or off. That's something that should be an option. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, you know yeah. what? I don't use my phone that much, so when I use it, I want it to run really well, and I want it to be fast and mm-hmm. snappy. Like, I don't want to have to buy your new $1,000 phone to have something that runs the way it was advertised to me in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I think it should be an option. Like, to turn that on or off. Like, some people have phone cases that have batteries built into them. So, like, the battery's not an issue for them. Even if the battery is, like, oh, it doesn't, it lasts, like, three hours less than it used to. So, it only lasts, like, 20 hours. Like, not a huge issue. I'd rather have my phone run well for those 20 hours than run poorly for the 24 that I get it for. Um, So, yeah. And I would say, from my perspective, I think the ideal solution is maybe make them better. Maybe don't make them so that this happens because when you're charging a thousand dollars for a phone, how much do you think it costs to make that phone? Fifty dollars. Yeah, I would say probably between forty to sixty. I mean, I, I'm pulling a number out of my ass, but the point is they're making insane profit yeah. margins on these phones and all Apple products because people are idiots, and I'm one of them too. I mean, I'm yeah, buying Apple shit. In the Apple ecosystem. I'm in the ecosystem. I can't right. leave now. And so, like, they're making so much fucking money in an unfair way, to be honest. Like, maybe spend a little bit more to make them better. Or don't charge as much for the new ones, so it's a little easier to upgrade. Right. That's just my approach. And obviously, it's been rumored for years that Apple was doing mm-hmm. this. The reasoning does make sense. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't right. make it good. They, they should have but said But it, it does make sense. Yes. The larger thing is like, it's just fucking frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I have an iPhone 6. I've only ha- I've had it for like three years. And it was running okay. I was getting a little bit of slowdown. The battery was running faster than it used to. And I installed a new iOS update that it forced me to install. And my phone runs like fucking garbage now. It freezes. 
<clears throat> every time I try to make a phone call, it crashes, so I have to reboot it and try it again. I can't answer phone calls sometimes. Text messages randomly won't go through. The internet runs incredibly slow. Like the UI of it, I know just from a design perspective, I think is bad. Like the, from the new update, the way the email works and stuff, it's just it. Why is using a phone a negative experience? Right. And I like not only can I not spend a thousand dollars on a new phone, but I don't want to either. Not just because it's expensive, but all the shit they're charging me for. Like, oh, and emojis. I could fucking give two fucks about yeah. that. I I have trouble thinking of a thing I care less about. Than animated emojis. Are you fucking kidding me? Who gives a shit? Yeah. Make a phone that runs better and lasts longer. Come on. <laughs> and I'm still gonna end up buying it. I mean, cause where I am now, like I finally finished paying off my phone for through my sprint bill. And now it is running like garbage. I'm gonna have to get a new one. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll probably get like an iPhone 7 because I don't want to spend a shit ton right. of money. But I'm gonna go back to paying off my oh, it's such a pain in the ass. Phones are the worst. <clears throat> but I'm also one of those people that like doesn't care about the extra functionality. Like if I can use Google and text, that's all I want to do on a phone. I don't even, I, no, you know what? It doesn't even need to be be able to call people. It doesn't even need to be a phone. Just let me Google and text. I don't even want to call people. That's like the ideal scenario. No one calling me. Right. So a lot of news, a lot of games, a lot of movies, a lot of stuff to talk about. Three and a half hours Ooh. into this podcast. Is good. This, yeah. My throat hurts. So, no hate of the week this week because it's Christmas in honor of the holidays. No hate <laughs> of the week. Also, because this is a really long podcast. That's part of the reasoning, also, too. But mostly, also, we talked about a lot of things that we hate already. So, we <laughs> that's don't need one big I mean, one. that's every episode. <laughs> that's every episode. But uh, as always, we will wrap up with stuff we don't hate. So it's been a couple of days, or really a couple of weeks, and we only had like two days of it. But I will say that I do not hate snow. Yeah, that's true. Like uh, we, because we got snow the night before, like Christmas Eve, so we had mm-hmm. a nice white Christmas. That was good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it's scary to drive, but like, there was a little bit of ice. Sure. You had to you know salt the yeah. uh, salt the uh, the front porch and stuff. But I do like snow. We had ours a couple days ago. It only lasted for like a day and a half, but. It was nice to wake up and like I uh, I went home from work early that day and then I think I maybe worked from home the following day or no it was a Friday so I left work early because it started to snow and it was snowing a lot we actually got like four inches five oh, wow. inches which is quite a bit yeah. for Georgia and but like waking up on Saturday morning we live in the woods so like looking out in the back and just seeing oh, all the trees covered in snow gorgeous. it was amazing it was beautiful. I love that we probably won't ever get any more this year but at least we got one morning of right. snow. Um, and today I don't hate a cinnamon candle, hot chocolate, a space heater, and a good book. That's that a solid right. package. Yeah, that sounds okay. For celebrating the day after Christmas. Or like you're off the rest of the week, so you have plenty of well, time. No, so tomorrow to morning I'm going and we're going to look through musical catalogs with my co-director, the previous director, and our music director. We're going to go through catalogs mm-hmm. for the musical, and then that tomorrow evening we're going to the casino with because it's uh my fiance's mom's birthday she always goes to the casino every year they give everyone 50 bucks and then you gamble it away um i keep my 50 dollars because i don't like to gamble (laughs) so i i just keep the straight 50 and like that kind of goes against the point then she's just giving you 50 bucks yeah (laughs) she's okay with that i don't know she probably probably doesn't like it but 
I'm not. I don't want to fucking gamble. Like it's fifty dollars. Yeah, but she's giving it to you for that. That's like I still hang like, out with them and talk with them and have fun during the whole thing. Sure, but that's like like if I gave you a fifty dollar gift card for Christmas, you went and traded that gift card to your friend for fifty dollars cash and went and spent that cash on whatever you wanted. That's kind of the same thing. This is kind of a dick move. I got you the gift card for this specific purpose. And it's something that would be fun. Like it's like a oh it's like a GameStop gift card or whatever. I, I still have well, fun no, watching I don't, don't want to force you fun to watching them like go around and do stuff and like I don't I maybe I'll use that fifty bucks towards drinks or something while I'm there. Okay. As long as she's okay with it, then it's fine. But it's her birthday, it's her thing, it's their tradition. Yeah. You should follow that. But like it kills me inside to gamble money away. <laughs> Jeez. It really bothers me. But but also think about it, it's not your money. It's her money. If I'm holding it in my hand, it's my fucking money. <laughs> the implication right. is that whatever we're, we're, we walk out of the casino with, we have. So at that point, it's my uh, money. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, true. Kara left the we're casino to- last year with like a couple hundred bucks. So she made out okay. But we're diving back into the negativity. We're losing the no, positivity. positive tomorrow. Go back to the cinnamon tomorrow, candles. I get to I get 50 bucks tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. Yeah. All right, I'll give it to you. Well, okay, everybody, that's going to do it for this supersized episode of the oh, Shay yeah. Hits Everything podcast. Three and a half Kyle, hours. As always, thank you for joining me. I know, man. It's it's a uh, this this is a full Lord of the Rings extended edition. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, as always, Shay Hits Everything podcast comes from ShayHitsEverything.com, which you should check out so you can read rather than listen. To thoughts on video games, movies, television, comics, books, and other shit that matters. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you back in two weeks. We won't be delayed again. And peace out. Peace out.